This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, podcast. Vince McMahon has resigned as chairman of the board of directors for TKO slash WWE amidst more allegations of sexual misconduct and human sexual trafficking. WWE Raw finds its new home on Netflix starting in 2025 for $5 billion over 10 years. Slim Jim, are they in? Are they out? Were they out? Are they back in? And how did I make an ass of myself over this whole thing? And we celebrate 100 episodes of the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast. We're going to take a look back at some prior episodes, and I will drop my big bomb of an announcement here on this very show. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome. Come on in to another episode, the 100th episode, to be exact, of the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast. I want to thank you guys for allowing me to stick around for 100 goddamn episodes. It's incredible. I've never done 100 of anything in my entire life. Never done 100 sit-ups, push-ups, jumping jacks. Never done 100 episodes of a previous podcast that I did. Uh, This is breaking new ground for me, and I am proud of this achievement, but we will cover more on that later, as well as my big announcement regarding the very future of the show. Right, 100 episodes in, what could it be? Am I selling it to Ted Turner? Am I quitting and retiring and moving up to the mountains? Am I bringing on a co-host? Could there be a co-host of this show? Are we switching up the format? Is this going to be talk show style now? We're going to take calls, all that kind of stuff. Perhaps you never know what the announcement will be. We will do that announcement at the end of the show because, of course, we will. That's just good YouTube business, good podcast business, is it not? Get you to stick around the old hook ski to keep you sticking around till the end. Uh, It's not clickbait. Uh, Feel free to skip ahead if you'd like to. I don't give a shit. Um, But it it is worth checking out because it is going to be uh, significant. It will significantly change the very face of the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast forever. And with that said, we'll jump to that later in the episode because we have so much news to get to. And honestly, I'm kind of stoked that the 100th episode pretty much happens to be the biggest, most newsworthy wrestling episode of all time ever, probably in my 100 episodes. I can't think of one episode that was bigger than this. There were little there were things that were close to this, but with all the different pieces, you know, the Netflix deal, the Vince scandal, the re- resignation, Slim Jim, are they in, are they out? It's just wow. 
Everybody's doing Royal Rumble interviews. There's a lot to get to. So enough of my jabbering. Let's go ahead and get to them. Before we do, uh, you know the drill. If you could hit that subscribe button down below. If at any point you're watching, you like what you're watching, and you want to see more, and while you're there, hit that like button too if you like it, because that helps too, you know what I'm saying? Helps put me over in the YouTube algorithm, so to speak. But uh, let's go ahead and dive on into our first topic, because holy fucking shit, I cannot think of a bigger news story ever in the history of pro wrestling uh, for the first time in ever in the history of professional wrestling as we know it or ever quite frankly a mcmahon is not in charge in any way shape or form of professional wrestling in what will most likely go down as the most important story of my lifetime in professional wrestling Vince McMahon has resigned from WWE. This is made official tonight, breaking within the last hour or less. Let's hop on over to Twitter. I first saw this. I don't know who broke the news, uh, but I did first see this over here from Brandon Thurston at WrestleNomics, who is a very credible journalist, unlike some of the others I have been covering lately. Can confirm Vince McMahon has resigned from his role as executive chairman, according to an all-staff email from WWE President Nick Khan, of which Nick Khan wrote, I wanted to inform you that Vince McMahon has tenured, has tendered his resignation from his positions as TKO executive chairman and on the TKO Board of Directors. He will no longer have a role with TKO Group Holdings or WWE, Thurston wrote. Can confirm Vince McMahon has resigned from his role as executive chairman, according to an all-staff email from WWE President Nick Khan. And in said email, Khan wrote, I wanted to inform you that Vince McMahon has tendered his resignation from his positions as TKO executive chairman and on the TKO board of directors. He will no longer have a role with TKO group holdings or WWE, period. And then this was confirmed by several other credible wrestling news journalists, so this is official, and in fact, Vince McMahon has released a statement to go along with that. Let's take a look at this. I stand by my prior statement that Miss Grant's lawsuit is replete with lies, obscene, made-up instances that never occurred, and is a vindictive distortion of the truth. McMahon said this evening of the scorching lawsuit against him filed earlier this week, I intend to vigorously defend myself against these baseless accusations and look forward to clearing up my name. However, out of respect for the WWE Universe, the extraordinary TKO business and its board members and shareholders, partners and constituents, 
and all of the employees and superstars who helped make WWE into the global leader it is today, I have decided to resign from my executive chairmanship and the TKO board of directors effective immediately, the WWE co-founder added. Holy shit, guys. Uh, so this one's for real. Uh, this one, you know, Vince isn't going to come back after he's able to, you know, after the smoke goes away a little bit. Uh, this one will be the end. And we can chalk this one up to uh, one that has checked off my uh, list of 10 predictions for 2024. And we're not even out of January. I had predicted that Vince will be gone completely from the company altogether. And apparently he is. Um, I was going to do a video today kind of giving my take on the allegations and stuff. So maybe we'll get into some of that here. I am also going to be releasing a video where we actually just read through that entire court document page by bloody page. Everybody keeps referencing it and there's little liners, lines and zingers and stuff that are coming out of there. I'm just going to read the bitch, and that'll probably be boring for most of you, but for those that have that sort of pain tolerance or fucking sadistic kink, uh, then you will enjoy that. But Vince McMahon, this is huge. This is, like I said, this will be the biggest story in wrestling of my lifetime, probably up there with the sale of WWE, hand in hand. Uh, it's a long time coming. Vince probably should have never been on the board to begin with. The whole reason I predicted that he would be gone is that Vince, I feel like that was kind of the setup from beginning. I think, you know, the fact that Vince's stocks were liquid and the fact that this was all going on at the time that the merger happened. They already knew about this. They didn't buy into WWE and then find out what was going on. They knew what was going on. And trust me, they were probably briefed on the stuff that hasn't been public yet. Anything that the board knew at that time, anything that was known at all would have come out in the, uh, you know, review and investigation for the merger before, you know, Endeavor ended up securing WWE. And I think that was part of the plan. You know, uh, Ari Emanuel was always put over Vince and was like, I insisted that he stick around, you know. I, I wouldn't have had it any other way. It's full of shit. I think Vince was set up to be the figurehead because you can't just buy – it would look bad for the stock, first of all. You buy TKO, or TKO buys WWE, Endeavor buys WWE, and the first thing they do is get rid of Vince. That's going to scare a lot of people, a lot of people. So you have to wean him out, especially knowing that there's scandals out there and more scandals probably to come, and just sort of ease him out of his position. That's why his stock was liquid, so that he could just kind of cash out. It could be just because he's an old man. He's going to die soon, but probably not because he's Vince, right? So the next, the reason why he can cash out all of his stock right now is because he's probably not going to stick around in the company very long. They kept him on as a figurehead. They kicked him out of creative. He literally just sat at the head of the table, so to speak, of the board of directors, uh, we saw this coming first with the, the allegations coming out now, specifically the more allegations that have come out since last year. Uh, but even with The Rock taking his position and then uh, the other guy, Brad, something or other, stay well, say well, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Um, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, was there going to be a spot that opened up on the board? That was 13 board members total. Is that 
I don't know. So maybe there's going to be some more moving and shaking going on there. This is interesting. This is huge. Uh, everything's in place for Vince to exit safely. Everything's in good hands now. Uh, even the stock and even the credibility of, you know, nobody's going to freak out that Vince is gone now. It's not going to tank the stock now. It'll probably bump the stock. I think it did last time that Vince was supposed to go out, right? Like everybody's comfortable with Triple H and creative now. And people are starting to see more of Ari Emanuel out there in public. It is still weird seeing someone else out there representing WWE as its boss man, basically. But that's what Ari Emanuel's been out there doing. And he, you know, he's been doing a good job at it. He's getting his face out there. Obviously, The Rock probably bought, brought on to be the figurehead for WWE. Especially now if they knew Vince was going to be on his way out. Triple H isn't on that board. Who can better represent the WWE in the public eye than The Rock? So that was a brilliant move, especially with Vince being on his way out the door. And, you know, it's good that Vince... Hold on, I got a cat hair here, and it's bugging the fuck out of me. You can't even see it on camera, but it's bugging the fuck out of me. So, anyway, <laughs> um, it's better that Vince resigned than Vince uh, being removed from the board, having it go to a vote, because that was coming. That was, you know, Vin, uh, TKO had released that statement and, you know, said that they take it very seriously and blah, 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 blah. Uh, the writing was on the wall. Vince was on his way out the door. As far as, like, all of those allegations, there's some very serious shit being levied at Vince out there. Um, some interesting things, too. Cornette's kind of catching a little bit of heat for his podcast all of a sudden because some of the fun that he had with it. Check out this clip. Again, if it was a if it was something that happened and this woman said, I am incensed that you have done this and I'm going to complain to someone, or even if it was a, over some period of time where there was attempts made at activity like this and it was constantly turned down and then she was either attacked or she was fired unjustly or what this not this is like this is going on for a while. And she appeared to be more than amenable to doing a lot of it. So, but you then, can't put the blame on her if any I'm of the really the bad shit. I'm putting the blame on both of them. I'm saying this is because then Vince has a chance to, okay, what do you want to make you feel good and not talk about this anymore? $3 million. Okay, it's $3 million fucking dollars. They just got $5 billion from Netflix. Any stiff, sir? After, my God. That's such a weird he, move. Why would you? I he, mean, again, he, he did it at the promoters and he got away with it because it was like, what are you going to do? I already won. Do you think that's what it was? And if it had been a la carte with this lady, do you know what the price of a good three-way head shitting is in fucking Connecticut these days? At three million, he probably was still coming out ahead. But it's not laughing at the victim. It's laughing at the preposterousness of fucking Vince McMahon taking a shit on someone's face. You know what I mean? Like, just, uh, ha ha, ha ha. Like we know he's got the. <laughs> we know he's got that kind of. See what I'm saying? I'm not. It's not. It has nothing to do with her. It's just picture that in your mind. And if you have any kind of sense of humor, no matter how depraved it is, it's. It's Vince shitting on someone. She took a paycheck, by the way, too. So let's not forget that. 
And a lot of these, there's a lot of allegations. And uh, there appears to be plenty here to really throw the book at Vince if somebody wanted to. I don't know what will come out of this. Another settlement that Vince can weasel his way out of. Or does he do kind of some kind of jail time over this? I think this is a lawsuit, right? Because he didn't pay up on his end of the uh, the settlement, the non-disclosure. You know, he paid like, uh, I heard uh, it was Brian Last on the podcast with Coronet. It said he pulled the old Calgary Stampede, right? Where he's like, promise you, you know, gets you to sell him the brand and then I'll pay you this and then just not pay him. Stiff him, you know, get her to shut up, sign the papers and then just not pay her. Well, that came back to bite him in the ass. And look, some of this is preposterous, like naming dildos after professional wrestlers. Like, and who are they? I would, that would have been, I would have loved for that to have, maybe uh, when this goes to court, somebody could cross-examine the witness and ask her, ma'am, what names did Vince actually give the dildos? Could you describe the look of that dildo? Because it would be funny if, like, the Bobby Lashley dildo was the big black dildo and, like, he had a little tiny one. He called it the Spike Dudley or something. You know, look, hey, it's preposterous. It's laughable on its face. Um, but there are serious enough allegations that this is absolutely the end of the line for Vince McMahon as we've know it uh, he's never going to come back in any way shape or form i don't expect to ever see him be inducted into the hall of fame i see that being bantied about right now vince mcmahon will he ever go to the hall of fame no uh he's probably blacklisted from the industry at this point which is think about the word that i just said right there vince mcmahon is probably blacklisted from ever participating in the wrestling business again. There's a sound bite for you, right? Vince McMahon, this guy created wrestling. He created this business. It's bad. It's a real bad situation for him. I don't think he's going to get... He, he's not facing, like, arrest charges for this. Uh, but he is facing a mighty lawsuit. Like I said, I will dive into those papers. Because, look, uh, you know, it is funny also to hear in passing that Vince shitted on a girl. But also you don't know the context necessarily. So that needs to be taken into consideration as well. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read through the entire paperwork and hear the exact blow-for-blow, play-by-play. Because... There's some there's a lot of shit in there. And like Vince, we all know Vince is crazy. We all know Vince is depraved, sadistic, evil, probably to a certain extent, greedy, sexist, uh, perverted. Uh, you know, like Cornette said on his show, too, Vince is. He's never seen Vince really act like that and spent a lot of time around him. But we've also seen the Vince on TV. And yes, that's a character, but like when you make Trish crawl around and like a dog and you got girls backstage like pretending to hook up with you or whatever, your pants are down, like, you know, there's something sick going on inside of there. So certainly like I don't know about the shitting and the dildos. I haven't read the paperwork yet. I was hoping to before I did my Vince story, honestly, so I didn't have to go, I don't know exactly, but... Um, we'll, we'll cover that tomorrow. I'll record that when I got more time to do so. But this was obviously, this is breaking news, right? So no time to 
read 65 page document to fucking before you. <laughs> uh, there's a lot. Let's just say it, there's a lot of allegations out there. We'll see what comes of it. My guess is not a lot. What'll come with it is the court. Vince is just going to pay another. He'll settle perhaps and have to pay it all out at once because we're not going to fool me once. We're not going to we're not going to play that trick again. Obviously, this chick is about the money, not justice. Let's be real here. We want to always uh, respect the victim and their privacy and understand that what they went through sucks and was traumatic and horrific and evil and sick and all of those things. But at the same time, this woman also said, yeah, you know what? All of that, I'll take $3 million for that and call it good. And I'll shut my mouth and go about my merry way, you know. So it was transactional. At the very least. But we'll see. We'll see what comes of it. Obviously, everybody's just speculating right now. Who's to say who did what? Vince is a crazy, weird fucker. But who is this chick? Where does she come from? What is her angle in all of this other than clearly money? So there's it's a two-way street here, so everybody should acknowledge that too. So I think everybody in today's culture has a tendency to side with the victim, and that's you don't never want to discredit the victim, discount the victim, or deny any of their or you know what I mean? You don't want to belittle it or make light of any allegations you want to investigate them to the fullest take them seriously everything that's happened so far with vince having to resign uh if he didn't resign he should have been kicked off the board just on the allegations alone because there's enough out there now where there's something going on with this weird fucker and probably a lot going on with this weird fucker Uh, does it involve wrestlers named after king kong bundy i don't know i don't know I didn't read the documents. And then Brock Lesnar was... See, that's the other weird shit, too. Like, let's go there a little bit. Fuck it, right? Like, there's uh, in the in the paperwork, allegedly, too, like a former UFC champion he was trying to lure back. Well, that narrows it down, doesn't it? Whoever could that be? You know, only just one UFC champion in WWE ever. Certainly wasn't going to be Cain Velasquez, right? Was he trying to lure back Cain Velasquez? I doubt it. It was Brock. So Brock sucked into this. Apparently Brock's not coming back for the Rumble as he was probably supposed to or going to be because of this. Because he got basically roped into this that he was offered up to, to her or she was offered up to him to help get him back. Uh, or, you know, there was PP videos, like, a lot of wild shit. Does that sound accurate, though? He's got Sable at home, by the way. You know, I'm gonna drink a Coors Light, not a Bud Light, a Coors Light, because they don't pay me. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna mount my hot wife. Maybe he's into the PP pictures, though, from the girl at the WWE offices. Also... You know, there's a lot of people talking about trying to condemn everybody, right? Everybody's all like, oh, I can't believe WWE knew about this the whole time and tried to hide it. They should all be fired. I guess maybe if somebody did know details specifically and they were actively trying to cover this up, yes. But there's people out there saying, Triple H, how dare he? Let's boycott the Royal Rush. Slow your roll, guys. Jesus Christ. You think Triple H knows... 
who Vince is fucking in his plane or in his office after hours or who him and Laurinaitis are passing around in the locker room. He doesn't pay attention to that shit. Maybe he does. I mean, he is family, but, like, do you know who your fucking father-in-law is banging on the side? Maybe. I don't know what your family does for fun. Maybe you're banging your father-in-law on the side. He is the father-in-law, after all, right? He's not blood. It's not incest. Maybe he's got a nice ass, and you want to get in that shit. Maybe he's hung like a horse. My God, he had the sweatpants on one day during Christmas. One thing led to another. I get it. I understand where you're coming from. But do you think Triple H just knows everything? Certainly with Stephanie resigning, that is sus, isn't it? Right? Like her, But, I mean, she can have an idea. She can kind of know. And look, she's not Triple H either. She resigned. She distanced herself from it. This whole thing is a mess. This whole thing... This is just the start of it. Uh, well, maybe not. This could just go away quickly as it's settled out of court. But, you know, Vince's top lawyer has distanced himself from this. Uh, you know, no longer working for the WWE either. And what is Vince going to do with his time? What would a Vince McMahon do with no job? What has he been doing anyway? Uh, the only thing I had heard was Dana White had specifically said that that was his. going to get the kitty up here so that he doesn't knock over my water over on the side trying to jump up. Um, but we heard that he was, you know, played a significant role in getting that Saudi deal. So he was, uh, you know, made that call. With his connections with the Saudi prince and government and stuff over there to get UFC a Saudi deal. But other than that, I mean, he's his role has been significantly reduced in the WWE over the last year, a couple years anyway. So at this point, it's time for him to ride off into the sunset and move on. He's so old and everything anyway. Like he's older than his dad was when he took over. And you know Vince was pushing him out at that time. You know, the legendary dad, I love you, but I'm going to do this with or without you. I'd really like you to be there, but I'm going to do it with or without you. So that's, you know, same thing here. It's time for you to be the old man that moves on now, Vince. Right off into the sunset. And hopefully, you know, uh, this girl just wants money. She doesn't want justice. Pay her out. Make all this go away. Quit bringing drama to the WWE and, and putting yourself in a shitty spotlight. And I think this will blow over for WWE and TKO. I don't think they're going to have any kind of issues with this going forward. You know, there were the rumors of the, the Slim Jim uh, sponsorship being pulled. I put a video up about that earlier if you want to check that out. Uh, I think this pretty well covers that, I would think. Anybody that was looking to uh, try to hold TKO responsible or WWE or pull their sponsorships or any of that kind of cancellation type stuff, I think they've kind of weathered that storm now by just getting Vince out of the way. And look, Vince will probably cash out his uh, most of his stock. I'm sure he'll keep some of it in there still. Um, but he'll cash out most of his stock and he'll just go hang out with some chick and work on his quads and his traps and 
My God. Um, Vince is a character. I'm going to miss Vince's character. I, not the man. We've all heard horrible shit about the man, Vince McMahon. All the way back to... Fuck, man. Just some of the, the ruthless stuff he did even in back in the 80s. And we've even heard rumors of him paying off like the, the people looking into Jimmy Snuka back in the day. And then there was... Uh, you know, there's several instances where people were getting kind of a little bit of payola under the table. Or to Vader, when he was slapped that TV host, right? He sat in jail for a little bit, and then that just kind of went away. Because Vince, you know, Vince got a lot of money to make shit go away. He's always been very, very good at that. Um, and he, he, we've heard that he's always heard that he's a bully We've always heard rumors of sexual harassment. We've always seen hints of that on TV. He's not a good human being at all. But I think, you know, the character of Vince McMahon should be remembered maybe as something else. Because I'm going to miss that guy. God damn it. You kiss my ass. Like... He's a character, right? Like, even the cartoon. Remember the Camp WWE when the WWE Network first launched? They had Vince as, like, a cartoon character. Like, had he not been such a fuck-up, he could have lived on forever in perpetuity as a, as a character, as a personality. Especially with Netflix now looking to do, like, movies and shows and whatever based on WWE IP without actually it being wrestling related, like IE, like a Kane and Undertaker backstory show, uh, which would be phenomenal, by the way. Take my money all day long. Uh, but they got that Vince documentary coming out. That'll be interesting. Apparently, I just saw an article saying that they're not going to, just because they signed the deal with WWE doesn't mean they're going to go easy on them, that it will be a very scathing documentary. So, as it should be. All this just all of this shit should be the end of Vince McMahon. But like I said, I'm gonna miss that character. I'm gonna miss some of the fun, quirky shit. Like you're never gonna hear stories again about people being pissed off about about him being pissed off at people sneezing backstage. Or fucking the peanuts sticking the hand in the peanuts. My God. Just eat them. Gross. I don't want any more. Steak, bloody fucking steak with ketchup on it. Working out at three in the morning. My God, look at those quads. You know what I'm saying? Like, just goddamn character. Just goddamn character. And a character like that we will not likely see again anytime soon, both because those kind of personalities are, are, are pretty much gone now in this kind of environment, right? Um... But also just, you know, everybody's everybody's kind of a corporate tool now. You know, Vince, uh, uh, Triple H, he's very buttoned up, you know, in the corporate world. He's very uh, just proper and stuff. Rock, his presentation is very proper. Vince was, Vince is, well, he was Vince McMahon. Uh, but that's all I got to say about that. We'll go ahead and leave it there because I feel like I could be rambling on about this. But we've covered the basis here. You guys know all the news, so we don't need to get into that. The the meat and potatoes of the accusations, but uh, worth hopping in here and getting on this quick. Vince McMahon resigned. And look, I'm never going to do this justice. There's nothing I'm ever going to be able to say in this video to be like, to really 
hold that historical significance of a Vince McMahon retiring from wrestling, being gone from wrestling for good. But here we are. Here we sit in the year 2024. I mean, obviously it was going to happen someday, but, you know, it's happening now and happening under the worst circumstances possible probably too, you know, in disgrace where he can't ride off into the sunset, a cowboy, a legend, an icon, a Hall of Famer, a character forever. He's got to be somebody that they kind of just slide under the couch, you know what I mean? Hide from the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, he used to, but we're, we're doing something new now. It's a whole new world. And when you see, like, especially with The Rock coming in uh, to the board and Ari Emanuel out there doing all the announcements and Nick Khan, it really dawns on you that this is an entirely different company now. Sure, there's Triple H there, but, like, Nick Khan is your Vince McMahon, essentially. Not the creative part. Triple H is that. But as far as, like, the the leading of the business, the, the general direction, the steering of everything, and being the boss man ahead of it, it's Nick Khan with an iron fist. And then above him is Ari Emanuel, who just gets to sit back and be like, yeah, I own that, and I own the UFC. What? Yeah, we're doing great. Isn't actually getting involved with anything. Now the Rock's there. He's on the team. Fuck. Who's going to be the chairman? Who's going to be the new chairman of the board? We got a new chairman of the board. This can be appointed. Is it going to be a suit? Somebody on Ari's side? Somebody that we don't even know? Are they going to just flip it to the Rock? Yo, Rock. You want to be the chairman? The chairman. God damn it. Could you imagine? I mean, already just can you imagine, you know, Rock would be on the board someday. But can you imagine Rock being the chairman? This is back in the Attitude Era where he's doing the fucking Nation of the Domination. Like, that guy's going to be on the board of directors someday and the biggest movie star on the planet. Or even as far as that guy is going to be the fucking chairman of the board of this entire company. He's going to have Vince's job. Fuck, he could end up being the president someday, but somebody <laughs> won't be as Vince. We'll tie it up here. I've talked long enough. I want to know your thoughts down in the comments below. I think uh, the general consensus is ding dong, the witch is dead, and we're all thankful for that. But uh, I also want to know your uh, more intricate takes. You know, What do you think about the dildo stuff? What do you think about uh, uh, the future of the company going forward? Being in the hands of an Ari and a Nick Khan. A lot to talk about here and a lot of fallout. Uh, No more news, I don't think. I don't think anything will be as groundbreaking as this as far as like mega news. But there's going to be a lot of fallout that comes from this. A lot of aftershocks. A lot of moving pieces here. A lot to follow. A lot to get into. I'm excited for it, as always. Peace, love, and pizza. Hit that subscribe button down below if you liked what you liked. Like it if you liked what you liked. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. God damn it. So if you've been following my channel for any amount of time now, you'll know that fewer things get my dick harder than talking about these TV rights deals. We've been talking about them for the better part of a whole year now. And then some from Warner Brothers Discovery all the way up through Amazon Prime. But now we know. Now it is official. Monday Night Raw, WWE's flagship brand, 
will now be heading to Netflix in a historic 10-year deal. And for more on the specifics of that, let's check in with our good friend Dave Meltzer over at the Wrestling Observer Radio with Brian Alvarez. We finally know where Raw is going, and it's Netflix. Yes. Most of the analysts thought Amazon Prime and FX were the two leading candidates. Well, I thought Amazon Prime, and I thought there was a chance that they would make $500 million a year. And uh, as it turns out, they're making $500 million a year on Netflix. Yeah, but that's kind of misleading because it's not just like it's the 265 to 500, which sounds like double, because this also includes, you know, international territories and all the rights to uh, pay-per-views outside of um, the United States and Canada, I believe. It's technically a 10-year deal, but it can be 15 years. And in 15 years, you know, who knows what rights fees are going to be in 15 years and what inflation is going to be in 15 years. And they're locked into something. Essentially, um, Netflix has the option to keep them at this range for up to 15 years, or they can opt out after five years if they don't like the way it's going. So it's it's called a 10-year deal, but it's really a five-year deal with a 15 with um, 15 uh, uh, years based on what Netflix wants, essentially. So we have essentially what could be anywhere from a five-year to a fifth. 15-year deal for Netflix picking up the Raw brand. And look, man, this is a gigantic move. This is a huge shakeup throughout the entire industry. This is not just a shakeup in the industry of professional wrestling. This is a shakeup in the entire entertainment industry. And uh, we kind of saw this coming And, uh, you know, we had this conversation going when we were hearing rumors that uh, Amazon Prime video was in the in the hunt for this product. And then, of course, Peacock's had the the WWE Network for a number of years now. And even most recently, that NFL football game that was held exclusively on Peacock that drew over 20 million people. 23 million people to watch a football game on a streaming network. We talked about this a little more uh, in a previous video, but we're going to dive in deep now that we know the specifics. And this has a lot of people with a lot of opinions. A lot of people are worried. A lot of people concerned. A lot of people pissed. This is a huge shakeup. And for more details on the specifics of the detail, we're going to check in with the man himself, the man who had a large hand, obviously, in putting this deal together, Nick Khan. Nick Khan himself did a drop-in on the Pat McAfee show this today uh, after the big deal was made, after the big announcement was dropped. And he added a little bit more insight into what's going on with this deal and even if it will remain on Monday nights. Is it Monday Night Raw now still, or is it just Raw? Nick Khan weighs in on more details. Check out this clip. At what point is Netflix like, yeah, we're thinking about getting in the game, and like $5 billion is a big jump into the game. When did that all come together, Nick? Um, what we did, once the SmackDown deal closed, which will shift SmackDown over from Fox to USA starting this October 1, we focused or hyper-focused on Raw. It was a robust marketplace. We had a number of meetings. There was a lot of interest. 
There are a number of offers. And at the end of the day, to be the first movers with Netflix live on a consistent basis. So, yes, I saw the Chris Rock special, too, and the reality show after show. And they're doing the Golf Pro-Am, which is all great programming. But 52 weeks a year, we're turnkey, as you know. You've lived it with us. The fact that they could come to us and say, yeah, we strike a deal and you guys do all the rest is something that they liked and certainly something that we thought was in our direct wheelhouse. It came together over the matter of a couple of months, and uh, we think it's a great deal. Is it Raw still going to be on Mondays? Mm. Is it going to be Monday night Raw as we've known it, or is it going to be different days? What was that conversation like? And uh, looking forward to this answer. Yeah, we all are. At this moment in time, it remains Monday Night Raw. But keep in mind, we got 10 and a half months until this deal's up and running. So we're looking at what you're looking at and what everyone else is looking at. You have a proliferation of gambling with Monday Night Football. You have an enhanced Disney package, better games. All credit to Jimmy Pataro, the Bob Father, as Pat, you and I call him. You coined that term, Bob Iger, no, and all the other good <laughs> folks at Disney. You got the Manning cast. You got this year, it was on ABC and ESPN, Monday Night Football. You got last season, the the, the playoff game that they got, uh, I believe, was Tom Brady at the Cowboys or the season before, whatever that was. You also have the College National Championship, football and hoops on Mondays. So you got a lot of Mondays where there's stiff competition. That said, even against Alabama-Michigan and the Washington-Texas game uh, a few weeks ago, Monday Night Raw did a .6 in the 18-49 to demo, which is a massive rating against big competition. Yeah. If we stay on Mondays, it'll work. If we move it to a different day, we think it'll work too. Such a baby face promo right there. Yeah. Listen, here's all these other things. You hear the stats? <laughs> also, just still at a .6 if you need to hear it. <laughs> now, as you can tell, I'm very eager to get into my thoughts and opinions, but I got to give you the meat and potatoes up first because that's what you guys come here for. And I wanted to give a well-rounded, more balanced perspective on this, something that gives me a lot of insight into this, that excites me about talking about this, is I also follow the movie insider, the dirt sheets for the movies and for TV shows and, and that sort of thing. Yes, they have their own dirt sheets too. And those dirt sheets will talk about the moves, the shakes, the goings-on behind the scenes. And the streaming wars are a very real thing and a very big deal right now. Everybody's jockeying for position in the streaming industry. Obviously, Netflix, the king of the streaming industry right now, with a stronghold. They have been the, you know, they've been around since day one. They are. They invented the streaming industry. They are the Bitcoin of the streaming industry while your Disney's and your Peacock's and your Paramount Pluses are your your Ethereum's and so on. So now we I want to give you a little bit more uh, of a perspective from that side, from the TV side. One of my favorite shows to watch that does a lot of the same kind of punditry that we do here in the wrestling YouTube space. Talking about the Netflix WWE deal as it pertains more to the Netflix side. Check out this clip. This is huge for Netflix. This is this really isn't a WWE story. This is a Netflix story, and this is massive for them. And I think it's kind of a you know canary in the coal mine situation where it is telling us what's to come. I think we're going to, in the coming days and weeks, we, like I said, we've already seen a lot of streamers, but I think we're going to hear about Netflix and other of these big streamers making big moves. We just had an NFL football game 
not stream on a traditional or not air on a traditional linear television network. It was only on Peacock. That was, I, I think, like the first time ever. Mm. And not now other games have been on Peacock, but they've also been on NBC or, or you know, as showed elsewhere. But this was big. And I think this is a sign of things to come. That clip from the John Campia show. Again, a movie pundit like we do here in the wrestling space, but on the movie side. And a lot of good points there. The live streaming is something that streaming hasn't really... No one's really won that race yet. Now, uh, first of all, I guess before we even dive into that, it's worth kind of starting at the beginning, okay? I want to put a lot of this into perspective because a lot of people are worried, and, and rightfully so, I suppose, because a lot of people are set in their ways, and a lot of people are pissed off when they're clinging to their TV. Uh, it's not going to be on my TV no mores. First of all, so I want to set, think about back, so this is a 10-year deal, right? On a streaming platform, Netflix. Think about where WWE was, where this whole entertainment scene, rights deals, all that was 10 years ago, 2024, right? Uh, freshly 2024, coming off of 2023, the WWE Network had just launched, and at that time, it was considered a very ballsy move. People were upset about this. People didn't want to pay for a streaming service. They don't know how streaming services work. The darn fangled internets, they're set in their ways. They'd rather pay the 40 bucks for the pay-per-view than pay the $10 a month it was to watch on the WWE Network. And there were some glitches along the way. And we all kind of took that journey together as wrestling fans. And it was blazing a lot of new ground. And this is something that has always been said about Vince McMahon. Whether you, you know, despite what you can say about him as a person, as a human being, and all the whatever the fuck. The dude is a savvy, smart businessman and well ahead of his time. Every move he's ever made in the wrestling industry has been ahead of its time. And people were very slow to follow. People were slow to give up the territories. People were pissed at Vince for going national. They didn't want to watch his show on their local TV. I want my Georgia championship wrestling, god damn it. And, and people weren't buying what Vince was selling. Times have changed. Over time, 10 years made a world of a difference. That was what? The early mid-80s that, that Vince was buying up the territories. By the early mid-90s, wrestling was, it was the WWF. And WCW, you know, had just came out of Jim Crockett promotions and was barely even a thing at that time. WWE set that trend pay-per-views they went from doing the the uh the thing where you go the closed circuit that's what it was they did the closed circuit they were one of the first to move into the pay-per-view space especially for pro wrestling and then on to the you know speed up the life story here up to the uh digital age where they made that jump 
to move the entire to move the WWE network to the internet to be on an app and make not only that that's one thing subscribe to the network ah, okay you could pass on that as a wrestling fan but they made you buy in no you didn't have to buy in to get raw or smackdown but you had to buy in to get the pay-per-views well, you didn't have to. You could still buy the pay-per-views, but cost it was not cost-effective. But people held on to that because they were slow to change. Something I talked about in a previous video goes all the way back to radio to TV. People are always slow to change from TV to Internet. Everybody remembers their mom being afraid to put their credit card in on fucking Amazon or something because they didn't want to get hacked and stole and they don't trust that. My mom, you know, still like I'm still trying to talk her into cash app instead of having to like, you know, send money back and forth for shared plans and shit like that. It's easy to just cash app the motherfuckers. You know what I mean? But it's slow. It's slow to change. But I'll tell you one thing about my mom, and we're getting there. We're talking about the streaming deal here. I'll tell you one thing about my mom. She watches uh, streaming. I bought her a Roku one year for Christmas when she was just a TV watcher. And she, cause she was complaining about her cable bill going up again and calling and having to talk to them and talking down. Got her the old, the old Roku. And she never looked back. She cut the cord. She's done. She is completely internet-based. Netflix and YouTube. Kids, my kids, kids don't give a fuck about live TV. You think that my kids turn on a TV and go, oh, what's on channel fucking 62? Let me check and see what's on channel 7. I better set my DVR. No. Kids are on YouTube, and I'm not talking about five-year-olds. Five-year-olds are too, but I'm talking about teenagers who are going to be, within the next five, ten years, are going to be... In that prime demographic, making the money, spending the money, going to things. They don't even know what a fucking... They wouldn't even know how to fucking turn on a TV and pick a channel. They don't know how to go on their fucking PlayStation and, and pop open the Netflix app and watch Netflix or YouTube. And a lot of you are going to be slow to change. And you are very vocal out there right now on the internet. And there's a lot of people that are kicking and screaming about this already. They were about that football game, too. And I'll tell you this. I've always been very progressive and had a fond understanding, I felt, of the way of this, the, the, the way that the industry is moving and the way that it is going all digital and streaming. You see all these other networks. All of a sudden, you know, Max is picking, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery's got Max, Paramount Plus, there's Peacock, what's the other one? There's Hulu out there, Disney Plus. There's fucking so many of these streaming services. A shutter if you're a horror fan. It's endless. The streaming services are endless out there. And it's obviously going to become the way of the new world, but what really sunk it in for me was hearing that that football game drew 20 3 million viewers on Peacock. Now, let that sink in for a little bit. People were really, really pissed. Would a football game do 20 million on TV? Maybe. People were wondering, oh, what about the ratings? Ooh, they only draw like a million and a half to two million on a high 
to for Monday Night Raw on national TV. Netflix has like 200 million subscribers. At any given time, there's 200 million people that are going to at the very least see that banner. You don't think Netflix is going to make a fucking $5 billion investment in WWE and not promote the fuck out of it and have it like right on their home screen, whether you like wrestling or not? And some of those people are going to click in. It's going to pick up new viewers. And I guarantee there's going to be the people that kick and they're going to scream for the first year, two years, three years. But by the end of that 10-year deal, every wrestling fan will be subscribed to Netflix. None of them will watch it on network TV. Because I'll tell you this, too. SmackDown and NXT are still in network TV, which is brilliant, by the way. Because now they have them in both. And by the way, let's not discount the fact that this is raw on Netflix. If this was NXT, this would be a completely different thing. But it's not NXT. This is Raw. Everybody knows Monday Night Raw. This is a household name of a brand. Okay? This is no small fucking thing. And people are worried about, oh, are people going to watch? Are the ratings? SmackDown's deal is going to come up at some point. I mean, they just signed a new one, so it'll be a while. Netflix, NXTs will come up at some point. The first one that's going to pop up is their deal with Peacock. It's got uh, only a couple years left. If Netflix, by chance, wants to make a play for the entire WWE brand, that could be an option within the next 10 years. They could re-up the whole deal when Netflix and and uh, or <laughs> when NXT and uh, SmackDown become available. And just tear up the raw deal and sign a deal for all of it. Everything. An indicator of if they're going to make a play for SmackDown and NXT or if they make a play for the uh, WWE Network when their rights deals come up for Peacock. But the idea is over 10 years, think about 10 years ago, there was no Disney Plus. There was no Paramount Plus. There was no Peacock. There was no Max. If there was Hulu, there was barely a Hulu, and then there was Netflix. There was still Blockbuster. Blockbuster was the fucking, you know, the close sign was barely. It was still warm inside. It hasn't even gotten cold inside of a Blockbuster yet. I mean, it was kind of, but you get the point. Netflix was the OG. And I'll tell you this, too, this whole streaming war, bringing it back to that, making a play for WWE this big, Shows that they're making a play, and same thing with that football now. I guarantee that football game was a dip-your-toe test. Let's see how this goes with Peacock, the NFL. Everybody thinks that. These people that think that cable TV, network TV, your fucking channel 2 through 700 in your satellite, that this is still the thing that's always going to be the thing. And you don't realize all of your favorite news pundits that are kicked off a of TV because they got a mind of their own. Where do they go? And that's both sides, by the way. Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon both got shows on Twitter. Their own independent shows. Both far left, far right, if you want to do that or whatever. All sides. They're moving to the internet. Because you don't need a network anymore. You think in 10 years, these streaming, the, the news sites, 
news, all these, all the big news pundits, all the stars, they're going to move up. You're going to get your foot in the door at a network if it still exists, which I'm sure it will, to get your experience and build up a little name value so that you can go out on your own on the internet and make your own money as an independent. NFL, I guarantee, maybe even as soon as next year, but if not, within the next five guarantee within the next 10 are going to be doing streaming regularly games will be streamed regularly it would not surprise me to see full teams get a streaming deal you know catch this team's game on for however the fuck they do it but you get the point these other networks are going to try to buy in because of the streaming wars they're going to try to compete oh we got to get live shit which, by the way, this is going to work out well for AEW and Warner Brothers Discovery. Which, uh, let me take a moment to who's been talking about since day one that WWE Raw is not going to Warner Brothers Discovery and that they are firmly in the AEW business. Uh, you know, everybody and their mom was on that bandwagon until fucking Amazon Prime came around and then everybody forgot about Warner Brothers. Even Meltzer today did a thing. Well, the, the working theory was it was down to Amazon or it was down to uh, fucking whatever the fuck. It was not down to Warner Brothers Discovery. I've been saying that since day one. But this is going to work out for AEW because they're going to try to get their fucking streaming service up and running here. And they're going to want to get in the live game. And so AEW's brands are on the table. And this could see a dynamite remaining on TV. And uh, say a collision moving to streaming. And a Ring of Honor moving to streaming. And the entire AEW and Ring of Honor collection video library moving to Max. Moving to streaming, which is why I also said look for Tony Khan within the next few years to be acquiring the rights to other tape libraries. I would say Pro Wrestling Guerrilla would be number one. Wait for that tape library to come up and Tony to buy it. He would be smart to start building his own. That was the real investment in Ring of Honor, not whatever the fuck he's doing now. In fact, he's kind of killing Ring of Honor, but I'm way digressing here. Uh, but the real value was the tape library. Look for those tape libraries to be acquired within the next 10 years, which might even be why WWE and TNA are buddy-buddy all of a sudden. Uh, but something could be going on there. But all of these streaming networks are going to want to get in that game and compete. Also, Netflix. Let's talk about the strength of Netflix. Oh, they're hugely in debt and they're taking on, they can't afford billion. Let's shut the fuck up. Streaming's not going anywhere. It's not like every single one of these streaming platforms are going to fold and it's all going to go back to network TV. It's That's a pipe dream. That's unrealistic. That's lies. Some of these streaming networks will survive these streaming wars. Not all of them. Some will fold. Others will combine. Paramount Plus is already in talks of being sold off to some other... I. Not entirely sure off the top of my head. I want to say Warner Brothers Discovery, but I shouldn't say I can't say that with 100%. But they are definitely shopping around right now to sell Paramount as an entire, the whole studio, all of it. And even if Warner Brothers Discovery buys it, they have even been suspected of possibly 
buying these properties, trimming these properties, cutting the fat, and then to flip them and sell them off to somebody else. Disney? Disney's not going to fold. Disney, is as much as they're kind of failing and falling on their ass right now, they'll find their way. They're Disney. Disney's not going to fucking kiss anybody's ass or take a backseat to anybody. Disney will get in the game. Disney will be around. Max seems to be, unless they end up selling, unless Warner Brothers Discovery seems, uh, ends up selling off to some other media powerhouse, they seem to be in the collecting game. So they may end up being who acquires Paramount and who ends up being a strong player in the streaming wars. Hulu's already owned by Disney, so that's not really this the same thing. In fact, I think they just merged, did they not? They just officially, like, combined. I'm going long. I'm drinking a cup of water here, so I don't have to cough and edit it out. Fuck you. Point of all that being that Netflix Netflix isn't going anywhere, folks. Netflix was the OG. They are the Bitcoin of the streaming world. They're not going to die. They're not going to fold. They're going to keep getting the money somehow, some way, and pumping it into being the best in the streaming business. And Monday Night Raw sends a message, sends ripples across the entire industry. I, I, I think the effects of this won't fully be seen until we're 10 years out and we're looking at the back end of this. But I think all of these people, for one, I think that football game on Peacock along with this Netflix Raw deal are single-handedly singling the death of network television, cable television. Will they still be around for local news, weather, national news? <clears throat> morning, see, I coughed anyway. Jesus. Morning, I'm leaving it in. It doesn't matter. We're getting this up here. Morning talk shows, perhaps. But honestly, what is propping up national television? It's sports balls. It's live. So it's your news it's your sports and your pro wrestling. That's why pro wrestling is one of the top rated, if not the top rated, other than Monday Night Raw or football and, and all of that shit. What's the common denominator there? They're live. That's why people you, people have to tune in to watch them. Plain and simple. You have to. Okay? So why why can't we have to tune in to watch them live on Netflix instead? 200 million people have Netflix. How many people have cable? Do you have cable? I cut my cable a long-ass time ago. My mom, she's an old-ass woman. Not super old, but she's an old-ass woman. She doesn't have cable. Fuck cable, right? Expensive bills. In fact, they're trying to bundle in and do package deals with streaming services just to get people to buy their shit. And they'll throw in a free phone line that nobody wants. But it lowers your bill by like 10 bucks. So, of course, you'll take a phone line. The thing is, is that after your two-year deal, your bill actually shoots up. And then you got to call in. And you don't have to do that with Netflix. 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. Ad freeze like 7 bucks or with the ads. In 10 years? You're telling me TV is going to have any relevancy at all in 10 years? This is the play. 
This is the play. They're making that move just like they did when they jumped from fucking from pay-per-view and everything else that they were doing to the WWE Network to selling it off to Peacock. This is the way. Now Monday Night Raw, the flagship brand of WWE, an institution that's been around for 30 years. It's a household name, Monday Night Raw. What's the wrestling show? WrestleMania, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown. You know these brands. It's on Netflix. 200 million people buy Netflix. More people are going to buy it because they want to watch wrestling. Can't tell me they won't. Why do you pay for Peacock? Right, exactly. Don't fucking tell me. So what else are you hanging on to TV for? Because you're also a sports ball fan. Okay. Well, that football game that took place on the Peacock Network and drew 23 million people sure as fuck shows me that the NFL, NHL, NBA, baseball, if people still watch that, I don't know, soccer over in the European countries where they call it football, I'm sure some of these people like, look, man, they're going to move to a streaming platform if their sports ball moves to a streaming platform. NBC gets the NFL rights. They're going to buy Peacock Network. If Netflix gets the rights to NHL, NHL fans are going to buy Netflix. If Disney gets women's basketball, Maybe some people will buy it. Probably not. I don't know. But you get the point. And and don't think that these other streaming networks aren't going to try to follow suit now. It's the streaming wars. They're going to see this and go, oh, we got to get in the live game now to compete. So they're going to try to acquire other live shit, which is going to lead into these sports deals. Massive sports deals. And, you know, honestly, I think, I don't know if an NFL NFL could be, they might have to split their games up over multiple networks like they do now. Who's to say? NBC already has rights. Why can't they just do it on Peacock? Why not? Disney owns, their ABC, so why don't they have rights to NFL games as well? Why don't they just show them on Disney Plus and Hulu? You see what I'm saying? Times are a-changing, my friends. What are you hanging on to your fucking Spectrum cable bill for? Your fucking, uh, what's the other, Comcast? Are they still a thing? Satellite? What's what's, what's satellite? Are there satellite people still? Dish Network? Are there Dish Network people? Honestly, what are you holding on to it for? And I promise you, whatever you're holding on to it for will make the move over the next five to ten years to streaming. Probably exclusively. And cable TV will just go bye-bye because there's no need for it. All of your news is on the internet. All your news pundits are on the internet. All of your sports balls will move over to the internet. Wrestling's halfway there. The pay-per-views are there. They already got you conditioned for it. The pay-per-views are there. Their entire back catalog is there. Now their Monday Night Raw is going to be there. And so on, as will go the industry. So that's what's going on here, guys. This is a big, big, big deal. Very significant. 
This is not a bad move. This is a forward-thinking move. This is a very WWE-esque move. And listening to Nick Khan's interview, by the way, and I think I'm going to do a separate video on a, on a separate angle with that on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, but listening to Nick Khan talk, he's not a horrible replacement for Vince McMahon in the business world. He's He gets shit done. And he's got a sound understanding of wrestling, of the entertainment business. He's a fucking mastermind. And this is a forward-thinking, trend-setting move that's going to make a lot of people go, I don't know what I think about that. That's a big shake-up for me. It's too much change for me. I'm not ready for all that change. Where they're already looking, they're not looking at right now. They're not looking at next year, two years, three years. They are. They signed a 10-year deal, which Netflix has the option to pick up another five after that, making this a 15-year deal for the WWE on Netflix. Netflix is a household name. It's a household brand. They're only going to continue to get bigger as TV dies, as they acquire more and more of these brands and these rights. Netflix, this is, this is the way of the world, folks. This is where we're moving. You guys still got your landlines in your house. You're scared of cell phones. You don't want to put your credit card information on Amazon. I get it. I understand. It's a changing world. Times, they are changing. You guys got to get with it. I guarantee you in five years, let alone 10 years, all of this entire industry is going to look completely different. Everything's going to be on the internet, guys. All of it. Cable is all dying. It's going to be, it's going away. In fact, you know, like a, a Comcast or a or a Charter Spectrum wouldn't be. They might find more relevancy in trying to do bundle deals with the streaming services, like they do with the cable networks right now, instead of the cable networks, because the cable networks are going to go away or find homes on streaming services. They already have. There are places, you know, ABC News is on Disney or whatever. They can be on Disney or Hulu. Uh, CNN is Warner Brothers Discovery, right? They could, no, I think they sold that off. But you get the point. They can find their way on these streaming shows too. Their morning shows, play them in the morning. It's live. And you can just click. Oh, I'm going to click on this morning show. I'm going to click on Monday Night Raw tonight. I'm going to click on the football game. And eh, I'm going to leave it there, I think, because uh, (laughs) there's a lot to digest. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to say about this. A lot more we're going to learn about this as time goes on. Uh, This is a huge, 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 huge deal. I I cannot stress this enough. Not just for wrestling, not just for WWE, for AEW. This is huge for the entire media. This is huge for television. This is huge for streaming. This is huge for sports. This is huge for media rights. This is huge for all of it. This is... This will historically be looked back on as... The first big deal in a long line of deals that lead to the death of television and the proliferation of streaming. Everybody's going to be on it, even your grandma. They're all coming, even you. These holdouts, you grumpy, ah, my sports ball on channel 57. 
Or is that FX? I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know. It doesn't matter. It's all going away. It's all dead. Ten years? In ten fucking years, you're telling me? Get a clue. Get with it. Times are changing. That's just my two cents. I love to hear your comments down in my comments. Your thoughts down in my thoughts. Your thoughts down in my comments below. Let me know what you think. Are you one of these holdouts? Are you gonna one of these people that are very pissed off about this? Or, you know, are you stubbornly a holdout? Or do you think, uh, as I do, this is not only forward thinking, this is progressive, this is thinking of your future 10 years from now, where are you going to be? I've seen people out there saying, oh, they're going to sign this deal. And then what after that? They've been off TV for 5, 10 years. How are they ever going to get themselves back on network TV and be able to get another good pay? They're not. There's not. It's not going to. It's you, you fail to. Uh, it's not going to be the world that we live in today. 10 years ago was not the world that we're in now. 10 years from now will not be the world we live in today. That's my thoughts. Peace, love, and pizza. This excites me. I love this. This is such a huge, huge deal. Uh, my dick's still hard. Uh, if you are new to the channel, yes, we talk about being fully erect to wrestling stuff. If that is your cup of tea, hit that subscribe button. Peace, love, and pizza. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. If you smell who the newest board member of TKO Holding Group's parent company of WWE and UFC is Mr. Brad Keywell. Give it up for Brad Keywell, everybody. Newest board member. Brad Keywell is a successful entrepreneur who has made his ducats in the tech world including artificial intelligence. Certainly will bring uh, quite the uh, background and a new perspective to the WWE Board of Directors. Now, of course, I'm being silly here. Obviously, the big news is the appointment of Dwayne The Rock Johnson to also being a board member of TKO Holding Group's parent company of WWE and UFC. Uh, I say it like this because it is worth noting. There's a lot of people already out there going, oh, The Rock will now have significant control over the WWE. That's a literal word-for-word -word headline, by the way, that I've seen. And it's not just one news site purporting it because it's like, that headline that like all the little mini dirt sheets, you know, there's the big dirt sheets out there, the good ones, like, well, good ones, but you know what I'm saying? Like the, 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 uh, ones that are real, like high level, right? Like uh, Fightful and Wrestling Observer, even Wade Keller's, uh, Pro Wrestling Torch and so on. Certainly not Nick Hausman. Ha, 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 No. Um, but then there's a lot of those smaller little douchebag ones, like your wrestling news or whatever. They'll throw their little logo on top of a little somebody else's meme and there's somebody else's tweet. And it's the same headline that gets passed around on all these little Facebook groups. And it was the same one I saw all day long. 
Dwayne The Rock Johnson will have significant control. Do you guys know what a board member is? Do you? I even heard somebody report, and this was in the, uh, somebody who should know better uh, in prominent media had said that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson being on the board now for TKO will be Vince McMahon's boss. Vince McMahon is the uh, chairman of the board, as he's always been. Fun fact, Vince McMahon has not even really ever been president or CEO of the WWE. Very rarely, I think a little bit for a point in time. But it's always been Linda or Stephanie or whoever, Nick Khan. Vince has always been the chairman, god damn it. And he is the chairman of this board, who has now appointed two new members. Now, I know in the original deal uh, that TKO, there was uh, Endeavor in uh, Ari Emanuel got the majority of the appointments, and then WWE got a minority of appointments to the board. I wonder what side The Rock falls on. The Rock also got his name back. He owns The Rock. That was obviously probably part of the deal. Or maybe it was a gift. That would be a smart gift. If I was like a Nick Khan, and I could see a Nick Khan doing that. Or an Ari Emanuel. Hey, I'll tell you what. It's a little sweet in the pot. You know, as our gift to you for signing on to this, we will sign over the rights to the name The Rock. Rock owns it. He's been able to use it, but he still licenses it. WWE's still got a little cut of that cheese. Now he's on the board. And now he owns The Rock. For more details on this, it's Mr. Bellringer himself. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, big businessman, sitting at the table with Ari Emanuel on some sort of news thing. I forgot which one. Check out this clip. So we had a major announcement this morning. We opened up the stock exchange. I had the honor of ringing that bell. The major announcement is uh, I have a board appointment. I was asked to join the board of TKO. And not only that, but within the deal, the very complex deal that we created and I signed with Ari Emanuel, uh, who I've been doing business with for 20 years, who's also been my agent, uh, I get full ownership of the name The Rock, along with some other things as well. So, so that unprecedented. That's, yeah, that doesn't happen. Molly, yeah. it does not happen. And wow. that was incredible. So it was really a very, very special morning, special announcement. But also, I just think that, you know, my... My grandfather, who was a pro wrestler for WWE, my dad, who was a pro wrestler for WWE, yeah. trailblaze, both men of color, they would have never thought a day like this would come. And here I am sitting at this table, mm -hmm. a table that they helped to build. That's right. And it's very, very special. And that's so. exactly where I was going. Another responsibility is being a fiduciary on a public board. Is it your first time on a public board? First time, yes. So you know you have to hold him accountable, right? Yeah, I do. Yes, <laughs> I have been. The, the family tree that he has, and he said it recently, wrestling built him. He also built it, and his family built it. That, our, that TKO and his family can come together and kind of their branches meet up now. So special. There you have it. Good old Dwayne Johnson, one of the most savvy, most prominent businessmen of my time. This is the kind of shit that I look up to. I love these entrepreneurs that are in everything, a little bit of everything, right? Rock's an actor. He's still a wrestler, probably, kind of, right? 
He's got fucking uh, a liquor bottle. He's got uh, uh, Zoa energy drinks, which is goddamn good, by the way. It actually is really good. It tastes different than the other ones. It's like a fruity, uh, more organic-y tasty, but it's like good. I don't know. Hard to say, but he's got that going for him. Rock's the fucking man, right? His football league. Now he's on the board of directors for the WWE. So what in UFC? So what exactly does he do? Can he? Does he have significant control over the WWE now? Can he order Vince McMahon around, tell him to go get coffee? Can he fire Vince McMahon? Can Dwayne The Rock Johnson go, Vince McMahon, you're fired. Well, yes, kind of. So the board of directors is basically a board for any kind of publicly traded company or even uh, non-profit companies, that sort of thing. There's a board of directors, which is basically, the, it's their job to oversee the best interest of the company and the shareholders. They always have to work. That's why you always hear, oh, they had the rule in the best interest of the shareholders. That's how Elon was able to buy Twitter. They didn't want his ass to be able to buy Twitter and take it private all over again. But he had, they had to because he was offering such a ridiculous amount of money over what it was actually valued that it would be not, it wouldn't be not in the interest of the shareholders to take that deal, in which you know the board would get sued to oblivion. So you have to uh, work in the best interest of the company, and within that board, there's different uh, roles. You know, there's secretaries and vice secretaries and finances and stuff like that they do committees uh so they'll work within different like uh maybe you guys would be on a committee to help you know do public outreach or sponsorship deals or you know that kind of thing brand awareness uh they are also in charge of deciding pay compensation for the ceo the chairman uh and they also can hire and fire the chairman. Uh, the C the chairman can hire and fire the CEO. So Vince can still get rid of Nick Khan if he wanted to. Uh, I do believe. Please correct me in the comments if I got this backwards. But as I believe it, uh, Vince McMahon is the chairman of the board can fire the CEO Nick Khan, but the board of directors which Nick Khan is on, and now The Rock is on, amongst other people. Triple H, I believe, still, right? Is he? No, he got booted off of it. Uh, well, not booted, but you get the point. Uh, the board of directors would vote on removing the chairman. So we've all kind of predicted that Vince will eventually be removed from TKO altogether. He's kind of just this figurehead statue there now at this point, and that eventually, which... I've even speculated was part of the deal all along, you know, that's why Vince's stock is liquid. It could just be because he's old and feeble on a cane now. Can't decide if he wants to do mustache or not a mustache. And, you know, maybe he needs that money liquid because life is short, brother. But I feel more likely it was, hey, you're pretty scandalous. There's probably other shit coming out about you. Even so, you don't really do the brand a whole lot of good other than your Vince McMahon, goddamn. Let's not forget he's a fucking genius. Creatively bankrupt, but this is still the guy that made all of the biggest moves in pro wrestling history. All the way up until Nick Khan came along and he oversaw the, you know, the TV deals and the Peacock deal and stuff from there. But all before that, it was Vince. 
It was his brain. It was his negotiating, his mind, his ideas, his forward thinking. It's his kind of forward thinking that's the same kind of forward thinking that thought WWE Monday Night Raw on Netflix is a good idea, and it is. But I do think, you know, Vince is on his way out the door, whether by will or whether he's voted out. And if he's voted out, sure as shit, The Rock can vote on to do that. Now, does he have control over WWE? Not really. He gets to vote on things like that committee. It's it's a it's a group of thinkers, and they're not all wrestlers or ex wrestlers or anything like that. They're all businessmen, just like that Brad Key Keywell guy or whoever the fuck I talked about at the beginning of the thing comes from the tech world and AI. A lot of times, you just want to put big savvy businessmen on your board. That's how you know. Going back to Elon, he was able to get himself on the board of directors of Twitter before he made an offer to buy it. Just by being Elon Musk. So you can, uh, you know, it's just a board made up of a lot of uh, entrepreneurial people from different worlds, not always WWE or Endeavor. They can be outsiders from other companies like The Rock is. He doesn't work. He'll get a paycheck from TKO for being on the board, but he's not an employee of WWE or UFC or TKO necessarily. He took a seat at the table to be a decider at the table. He sits in on these meetings. Should we move Raw to Netflix? What do you guys think about this TV deal? Rock has a voice in that discussion now, which is great. I fucking love this because we need a guy who understands the wrestling business at that table at all times. If Vince is on his way out, God bless Ari Emanuel. I know he's a fucking genius on his own. And obviously a smart guy and obviously a hands-off guy, too, if you've watched any UFC press conferences lately. Uh, Ari Emanuel just lets the companies do what they do best. He just wants to own the shit and use his bigger company, Endeavor, and his connections and powers and whatever to further make more money, more dirty money for WWE. It's already paid dividends. Vince McMahon himself... Got UFC over in Saudi Arabia, which I think they postponed that show. But it's going over there. And you know they're going to get paid a lot of dirty fucking money for that. You know who made that call? Vince McMahon did. You know who said that? Dana White himself. So it's a good partnership that they have going on over there. And having a guy like The Rock sitting at the table that understands the wrestling business, but also understands, clearly understands pop culture, the greater media business. He's probably going to end up being president of the United States someday, let's face it. I really think it's a very, very solid move. We need as many of those guys on the board as we can. We need a wrestler on the board for WWE. We have to. It was a brilliant move for them to bring him on to. Just for a PR point, especially to make the announcement for Netflix to all of that, man. And Nick Khan, uh, just a savage out there doing business deals like a a G. Uh, I just... Man, this company, it's really going places. And having The Rock on board as a figurehead, that's going to pay dividends just being able to go out there and do what you just saw him do for MSNBC. That's who it was, or CNBC. I don't know. See, I forgot again already. One of those NBC number gimmicks. Having The Rock to be able to go out there and do those instead of 
Nick Khan all the time or instead of Ari Emanuel all the time or instead of Vince McMahon himself, The Rock to just go out and do media for WWE and for the UFC now. He's always been tight with Dana. He's always loved the UFC. Now he's on the board of directors for the UFC. He gets to sit on sit in on the decisions for the UFC just as much as anybody else. You know, if there was if the board was to ever call a meeting and go, "Hey, that Sean Strickland guy really says a lot of wild shit, doesn't he? Maybe we should fire Dana White because he's not holding him accountable." The Rock is part of that conversation. So, very interesting stuff, a lot of big moves, a lot of moving and shaking going on in the world of pro wrestling today as I record this. Wow, what a news day. I was so eager to get home and start recording. And The Rock, just, you know, being the chairman of TKO is almost an afterthought. You know, I wake up and it's like Netflix and then, oh yeah, by the way, The Rock is on the chairman. He's on the board now, not the chairman. But, yeah, glad we got all that straight. Glad we covered exactly what The Rock will be doing, exactly how powerful The Rock will be in WWE, and, uh, you know, who he can fire, who he can't, and exactly what that role is. So uh, glad we could sort all that out. But I'd love to know your thoughts down in those comments below. Peace, love, and pizza. Hit subscribe if you liked what you saw. And I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. I got to use the finger because I don't. Did I almost do it? I almost did it. Did I do it? John Cena stopped by Logan Paul's Impulsive Podcast to have a conversation with Logan and his homie over there. Sat down for about two hours, about a two-hour-long podcast, uh, which was a two-parter because John Cena was also doing, uh, apparently filmed a episode for, he's got a show coming out on Roku, uh, where John Cena, it's called uh, What Drives You, and John Cena's talking with people, obviously, about, you know, what motivates them in life, but he does it in a car. It's one of those gimmick interviews like Kevin Hart in the tub or... Seinfeld and the the driving around and stuff like that, the hot ones. It's all the rage these days. So that's what uh, that has not aired yet. When it does, I'll probably take a look at that one and cover it here. Uh, but Cena was there around, uh, hanging out with Logan to do that, and then he did the Impulsive podcast. And for a large majority of this episode, it was fun. Uh, standard issue stuff, a lot of it, uh, some jock bro humor, talking to movies, that kind of thing, a little bit of psychology and John kind of smartening up Logan a little bit on some different things, but, uh, it was towards the end of this podcast where it really took a serious turn and I actually have split this into two episodes, uh, or two clips here. Basically, it's the same segment of the podcast talking about The Rock. And in this clip right here for John Cena, this was Logan Paul asking John Cena about working with The Rock at WrestleMania and that whole thing where John Cena exposed The Rock's uh, writing on the wrist tape there, writing his promo on the wrist tape. And how messy it got from there real quick. Cena opens up about it and doesn't hold back. Check out this clip. So you saw The Rock's return recently? I did. When he went out there and he said, you think I should sit at the head of the table? 
Do you think he had that line written on his wrist? No. Because one thing I know about Dwayne, he never makes the same mistake twice. <laughs> Did he know you were going to do that? I didn't know I was going to do that. No way. No, I didn't know I was going to do that. It was one of those things where uh, it happened in last minute. And uh, looking back at it, it was fucking stupid because we have the biggest star in the world coming back when they don't need to. Like giving our product ratings, giving our product relevancy, getting people to talk about us. And what do I do? You smoked them. No, amateur, like, no, that's not it. The guy is going a million different directions. Probably flew in from God knows where, working a full day, and I, know, I now know what that feels like. And just wants to do the best he can. Mm. I don't blame him for that. I blame myself for taking advantage of that. And a professional, professional would have been like, hey, before you go out there, if you do go out there like that, I'm going to use it. That's not how we, we trust each other in there. That's not how that works. I don't see that perspective. Okay, that's cool. I get it. And by the way, I thought it was great as an entertainment so like fan. For from an entertainment standpoint, objective achieved, gained interest. Box office was crazy. Yeah. Set pay per view buy yeah. rates. Sometimes in the fight game, it gets a little gray. Yeah, but we're all on the fucking same team out there, man. Mm. And you got to have trust. What if he said in no? a boxing ring? Then I don't use it. Really? Then I don't use it. But what about the box office? I would entertain another way. There's more than one way to solve a creative puzzle. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to sell tickets. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Was he pissed? He was, and justifiably so. Yeah. Because he's a guy who's got his heart in it. He still comes back, bro. Yeah. And the people go crazy. Crazy. I just thought it was super fascinating, his perspective on that and how he's changed since then how he looks at it now, and uh, how he was able to educate Logan there, too. Because you see Logan, Logan, as we'll cover, like I said, I was able to get a two-parter out of this interview because I'll do in another clip, a separate clip. Logan opens up about his relationship with The Rock, and he got very emotional there. And one thing I've noticed about watching a lot of Logan Paul, you know, a lot of people hate him because he is kind of douchey. He's, he's very douchey. He is probably... A textbook definition of douchebag, to be honest with you. You know, and he's a jock bro. And, all, you know, he's got the scandals with the NFT gimmick and that kind of thing. And then, obviously, the Japanese forest thing that he got a lot of heat for back in the day. But I feel I am a pretty good judge of character. And I really have always thought that Logan was a good dude who has issues. Misguided. Like, I think he's got a really good pure heart in there. And he wants to do the right thing and has the best of intentions. But he's also kind of a douchebag moron. <laughs> and, and I don't necessarily mean that. I like Logan Paul. But, he, you know, you can see it in him and some of the actions that he does. And you could see it in that clip. Like, John kind of educating him on, like, yes, box office. But we're all on the same team here. So when you're taking the complete piss out of this guy that's drawing you this big house, what are you actually doing here? 
And Logan, that's an important lesson for Logan to learn, and I think it clicked. I think he started to understand that because he was pushing back a little bit. He's like, yeah, but the money. Because him and boxing, like they were getting him in that his last boxing fight, they were getting into, into it about Logan's girlfriend and shit. And like I still believe it's being settled in court right now. Like there's some defamation shit going on there or something. I don't know, but it's not over yet. That's a different world because it's a real fight. They're not on the same team necessarily. But even then, they are kind of to a certain extent. Even in the UFC, if it's a real fight, if you beat a guy, did you, who'd, you, who'd you beat? If you take the piss out of him, you beat a nobody. So what's that make you? And what's that make you if you lose to that nobody? So I think Logan learned something there. I think he learned that, yes... We're here to talk some smack to sell some tickets and pay-per-view buys or whatever the fuck they do nowadays. But at the end of the day, we all are trying to make the WWE as much money as possible. And if I destroy The Rock in a promo, how much money can that affect the amount of money that The Rock can make the company in the future? Is that going to hurt business? What if the fans do turn on The Rock? Then what? Now we lost this megastar. Or they lose faith in The Rock. Or Cena ruins his credibility. All to just go, ooh, I got a good zinger in there. And yes, it was entertaining as fuck. And yes, the buy, right, buy rates were up on that. And yes, it's talked about still to this day as an all-time face-to-face iconic promo. That said, I think Cena's right. I think there was another way to go about it to get that same effect without trying to just kick Rock straight in the balls, which Cena did. To get himself over at the expense of The Rock. But uh, all's well that ends well, right? Everything's good now. And, of course, Rock's sitting at the head of the table of the, uh, you know, on the board of the directors, so to speak. Cena seems like he's loving life. Everything's good for Cena. And uh, he still has that passion for WWE. And it does sound like he wants to get back in there and have at least one last match over in London. For a WrestleMania in London, when he came out and made that announcement, when they were in London, I think uh, I think he meant it. I think that was not only his way of gauging to see, you know, but uh, hinting that that might be something that's in the works, and that that could be his retirement match. That could be his Ric Flair's versus Shawn Michaels match. You know, the win, lose, or draw, the final career-ending match of John Cena. That would be fun. That would be interesting. But uh, I do definitely recommend checking out this interview. If not, uh, I mean, Cena's always insightful. I actually learned a lot, not just about wrestling, but, like, life. You know, his he's a wise motherfucker. Cena's a smart guy. Uh, he could probably make himself a pretty good living being a motivational speaker out on the college campuses and shit because, man, is he just, he nails it. But the real meat and potatoes of this comes at about the last half hour of this podcast uh, where they get into the rock stuff. And in the next clip, and uh, depending on when I get them both up, I will tie them together in the end clips. So if you're watching this now, hopefully the end clip will have the next one video you can watch be Logan Paul. And then uh, vice versa, if somebody's watching that, it'll direct them here. Same interview, uh, but two different perspectives on The Rock himself. And uh, this being one of the all-time most iconic promos leading up to a WrestleMania. uh, Definitely fun to kind of get inside the inner workings of that and hear it from Cena's side. And how much that actually did piss off The Rock 
and and how bad that Cena feels for it now. That's all I got to say about that. Peace, love, and pizza. Hit that subscribe or like button down below, and uh, we'll catch you in the next video. I hate juggalos. I fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life, I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm, I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit. Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld. Everybody's favorite United States champion, Logan Paul, had John Cena on his podcast this week, Impulsive. And they had a good old boys conversation. I did do a separate clip on John Cena's part of this conversation. Uh, so look out for that on the end cap here if you're interested in hearing what Cena had to say about working with The Rock. Um, but as they were talking about The Rock and pissing off The Rock... It was Logan's smart-ass co-host friend, the one that looks like X-Pac, that kind of uh, ribbed Logan a little bit by saying, wow, that must really suck pissing off the rock. I can't imagine what that would be like. At which point, Logan's face turned beet red, where he was clearly pissed off, which made Cena go, no, really, what happened? Tell me, what's going on with you and the rock? And what followed became really deep, Really heavy and really emotional real quick. Check out this clip. My bad. Must be crazy to piss off the rock. I can only imagine. It was it was a little gamey there for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We went through a nice stretch where we just didn't like each other. If you you pissed him off too, right? What did you do? I don't Oh, you pissed off the rock? Come on, bro. What are you... uh, nah. nah. What happened, man? Nah, it's nah, nothing. Nah, it's nothing. No, what happened, man? Uh, Let's start from square one. What happened? You know, you, 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 and Dwayne. I think we're like two people I definitely looked up to a lot when I'm trying to figure out the blueprint for my did ca say that. career that didn't exist. Um, Dwayne, especially, I wanted to be like Dwayne. So eventually, in the same way I met you today, one day I met Dwayne. He was just as cool in person as I thought he was on TV. He was. He's awesome. Made content together, went mega viral, 70 million views, 50 million views, and linked up a couple times. Um, visited him on set of Ballers. Like, I would have considered us acquaintances, at least, you know? Kind of like uh, me and Dua Lipa. Kind of like you and Dua Lipa. <laughs> Maybe even closer, dude. I would say closer. Closer. I would say closer. Um, we're just, we're just co-workers. He was just great. And then, um, fuck. Um... And then Japan happened. Japan happened. And, you know, I could go into so much depth about my remorse and the place that I was in and the faults that I made at that time in my life and 
I had to really rewire my brain and backtrack and ask myself like how I let that happen and what went wrong in my life where like I thought that was okay. And in that process, I did a lot of damage. Um, DJ was one of the people I hurt because of his mother's um, experience. And that that's his experience to tell and I'm not gonna share it, but like I, 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 I hurt him so much so that um, he he basically wanted nothing to do with me, and rightfully so. You know, I I let down my hero, and he requested that I remove all the content we've ever done together, and basically kicked me to the curb. I would have done the same thing. Guy in his position doesn't want to be affiliated with a person who did uh, something as reprehensible as that, and. I remember it being such a low moment because like I knew I let myself down. I knew I let my fans down. I knew I let my family down. But my idol too. It's not like he did anything wrong. It's just like I think my ego told myself that I'm going to fucking remember that. And if I ever become a great one day like you, I'm gonna remember this and I'm gonna remember the way I was discarded. And again, rightfully so. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever been really able to like truly let go of that. And uh, I, I got a lot of stuff to work through, I think in, in, in terms of that. And I'm not even sure like where to go from here in, in terms of, reconciliation um i think part of it is i fucking hate myself for letting him down and it's like that anger that i have even just against myself was turned into this drive that i told myself i'm gonna i'm gonna be so successful that i don't need your approval or validation or acquaintanceship i'm i'm, I'm gonna do this on my own with or without you by my side this right here is why I've said in previous videos that I think Logan has a good heart and that he's a good person deep down. He's just a douchebag that does dumb shit. This is it right here. This is why I say that. Look how vulnerable Logan is. Look how sensitive of a boy he is. He's just a sensitive little boy is all he is. He's a young greenhorn little kid with a huge ego, a chip on his shoulder, a whole lot of trauma and weird shit going on in his life, but also a big heart, uh, a desire to prove people wrong, to be the best, to work harder than everyone like. He's a deep guy for as much as he's a jock bro douchebag and people like to dismiss him as that. There's a lot of layers to this guy. He's fucked up, but I think he's a good dude overall. Like, I think if you can get past the jock bro douchebaggery, I think you can have real like heart to heart deep conversations with this guy. He's able to get philosophical, get personal, get vulnerable to understand vulnerability like him and his friend x-pac they're like they seem to be like man they have really intimate conversations and not intimate like sexy conversations but like they open up to each other you know like bros should honestly but like i see that side of logan and maybe not everybody sees it
often. And I don't know the guy personally. Maybe it's all an act. Maybe he is a douchebag more. Maybe there's, I mean, look, the NFT scandal, right? And then that Japan segment that he, you know, referenced there. For those of you who haven't seen it, I debated putting a clip here about why. What's the point? Um, but you can find it out there. There's video evidence. He's just a young YouTuber adventuring out in Japan, and he stumbled across this, you know, the infamous forest in Japan where everybody hangs themselves. So it's a big thing over there. And uh, he thought it would be funny to do a video walking through the forest and make light of it, make a little bit of a mockery of it. And upon doing so, they also stumbled across a real-life dead body hanging there that was presumably undiscovered up until then. That's out there. And, uh, boy, that gave Logan a lot of shitty PR because he was a pretty well-liked, prominent YouTuber and Vine guy or whatever before then. And then that was kind of like a lot of people separated themselves from Logan. You know, he was just kind of breaking out and really hitting his stride into the mainstream as a social media influencer. And like he said, working with The Rock, did a couple of videos with The Rock and stuff. And then all of it, gone. And I don't blame The Rock because well, why would you want your name associated with some internet douchebag doing stupid, ignorant, meathead shit that's controversial and getting him in trouble out on the internet do you really want people to have all that rage and then scroll down three videos and see the video with the rock because in a couple days some cancel culture motherfucker is gonna pop on twitter and be like the rock supports this japanese suicide forest guy person's videos you know what i mean i don't know what they'd say they probably got blue hair or something but you get the point it would happen so Rock had to distance himself from that because he has a he's got to look out for his career. He's a brand. I don't blame him for that at all. And neither does Logan. But Logan seems boy, that fucked him up in a lot of ways that I don't think he's sorted out yet. And that's what's so fascinating, isn't it? Because you saw that right there. He got emotional. He got mad when his homie brought it up. And then he got sad and teary-eyed, and he confided and opened up to John. John hit him with a little bit of hard truth that it was a little bit tough to swallow. Man, what a fascinating entertainment, isn't it? I was going to say fascinating television, but it was podcasting, YouTube. It's great. It's great, uh, great entertainment, a great interview worth that in itself, that last half hour. I picked out some of the highlights of it, but... You know, it gets a little bit deeper than that. So I recommend checking all that out. Link in the description down below. Uh, I do urge you guys, I've always been a supporter of Logan Paul because I see this side of him. So I urge the people that only see the jock bro douchebag to really maybe see the more vulnerable sign of him. Kind of cut him a little more slack. I'm not saying be his fan or anything. Or even let him just, you know, have free reign douchebaggery. But at the same time, maybe think twice about how you think of him on a surface level. There's more there to everybody. You know, everybody's more than just what meets the eye. Like a fucking transformer, right? But uh, he's particularly a deep one and particularly a troubled one. Which, uh, because he's so hot-tempered. And <laughs> clearly capable of violence and has a large platform. 
you know, we could see that explode some point during the WWE career too. A backstage fight, altercation, him saying the wrong thing online, doing something controversial. He is a controversial personality. He's going through it now with the NFT scam. Uh, I was going to do a separate clip on that, but uh, essentially, you know, the CoffeeZilla. I covered it actually in the back catalog. CoffeeZilla did a whole segment on Logan and then just recently did a follow-up basically saying Logan has uh, promised to refund people that want to refund, but they only have a certain amount of time to do so. Otherwise, fuck you. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, he's shady, but there's a heart in there too. So that's, I try to look for that side in people and give them the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes. I mean, some people are douchebags too, you know, but that's all I got to say about that. Check it out. I'm going to go ahead and quit recording. Now I am uh, at the end of my recording list. So I got to do the outro thing still, but for the full length pod, if you're listening to that, but uh, other than that, then I'm going to probably, you know, I'll probably edit a little bit, but then I'm going to watch me some Royal fucking Rumble, baby, because as I record this, it is not quite Royal Rumble time yet. We're a couple hours away from the Rumble. I'm excited to see how it goes. Our boy Logan Paul will be there. Will our boy Cena be there? You already know. I don't know yet. That's the magic of the internet. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy, Seth Grimes. And we'll catch you. Well, in the continuing story of will they, won't they, won't they, will they, are they in, are they out? No, we're not talking about a romantic comedy. We're talking about the Slim Jim sponsorship deal. And, of course, before I go any further, I owe you guys an explanation because I put my foot in my mouth yesterday as I was quick to jump on this topic as I was sitting at my desk at the shoot job working, supposed to be working, scrolling through Facebook, and I saw everybody starting to post, everybody as in non-credible, clickbaity, copy-paste wrestling news sites, right? Uh, And they were all kind of reporting... And this is another thing that got me all hot and bothered. Some were reporting, oh, we're hearing rumblings, which is what WrestleVote said, that Slim Jim may be considering pulling their deal. And then you check the next headline, it is Slim Jim has confirmed to WWE they're pulling all of their sponsorship. Which made me go, okay, what's going on here? So I start poking around for credible sources, right? Because the credible source isn't going to be Yard Barker. Or fucking ringside news, you know, ringside news, uh, as I had said in the yesterday's video, which I took down, by the way. I made a video yesterday, what I'm getting at, uh, calling bullshit on this story initially. And I uh, went on the offense calling it fake news because I was only able to verify it through the clickbait, copy-paste, bullshit websites. And they were all changing the topics. You know, you go to the original source at the time, WrestleVotes, just said, we are hearing rumblings that Slim Jim might be pulling their sponsorship from the Rumble. And then the very next Facebook headline, Telephone, Telegram, Telewrestler, right, ends up being Slim Jim has told WWE that they're pulling all sponsorship. You see what I'm saying? So, and then the worst thing about it was everybody in the comments starts, you know, believing it without actually even reading the article or anything. So I did all that. I researched it all and I quickly uh, rushed to dropping a video yesterday, which I've now pulled down because it is now fake news. But instead of hiding from it, I am addressing it here. Check out this clip. 
So here we're looking at all of the different websites that are reporting this. They all got the same headline. When you Google Slim Jim Royal Rumble, do you get Fightful? Do you get uh, do you get the Wrestling Observer even? Is Melter out here saying this? Is anybody with anybody, any kind of credit, even fucking Nick Hausman doesn't have the balls to come out and come out with this bullshit. Look at this. Ringside News, they're super credible. Weren't they the ones that were bashing fucking... Uh, Nyla Rose for being trans and stuff. Yeah, they they know how to get the news. Uh, Slim Jim, Royal Rumble sponsorship deal may be in whatever, Jeopardy trouble. Report from WrestlingNews.co. Slim Jim is pulling their sponsorship. Yard Barker. Yard Barker? That's a, that's a fucking top news site here. Slim Jim is pulling their sponsorship from the Royal Rumble. Oh, my fucking God. So, let's go. All of these are coming from the same source, which they had reported as being wrestle votes, right? So, the next step in our path to just, you know, doing our own research here, let's hop on over to wrestle votes. Twitter. Wrestle votes, which we've heard of. You know, they're not completely obscure, but uh, there they are. And look at this. Here is the tweet in question. Hearing rumblings that Slim Jim has notified WWE they are pulling their sponsorship from tomorrow's Royal Rumble event is yet to be determined if they will remain partners in the future. As you can see, I already commented below, fake news. As you hop on over here and you do a Google of Slim Jim, Snap into a Slim Jim, right? SlimJim.com. And you click on that bad boy. What are they going to get? Oh, the WWE. They really pulled that fucking sponsorship, didn't they? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Is it in trouble? Oh, no. Slim Jim pulled their sponsorship from WWE, except it's on their fucking front page. There it is. Slim Jim, WWE. Hunger, meet your match. LA Knight, Bianca Belair. Look at this. They have a WWE tab. Oh, no. They pulled their sponsorship. Good Lord. There it is. There's the ads. Monster size, feeling savage. It's all there. All of this stems from wrestle votes making the assumption of this because there was currently some kind of issue with the, I guess, the Royal Rumble contest page or some shit like that. And it was later in the night when I was working on the Vince McMahon clip to get that news out right away that uh, it popped up into TikTok and somebody commented on my short about the Slim Jim thing that, yeah, uh, except Slim Jim issued a statement. Fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck. So then I went and I poked around and I looked for that source and sure shit as you see on my screen. Now the source wasn't WrestleOps. This was just the quickest one I could pull up on Twitter because uh, Slim Jim has even announced further since this. Uh, but this was the statement that made me delete that video and eat a big old heaping pile of crow. 
A spokesperson for Slim Jim has issued the following statement. Slim Jim values integrity and respect in all of our partnerships. Given the recent disturbing allegations against Vince McMahon, at this time we've decided to pause our promotional activities with WWE. This decision reflects our commitment to our brand values and responsibilities to our community. We will continue to monitor the situation and base our future engagements on our values and what's best for our brand. So I guess uh, PW Insider maybe got that. So before we move on to the current news with this, because there's more and you've probably already seen, I just got to address, I got to apologize and eat my crow. I jumped on that one yesterday too soon. I didn't see it. As you saw in the video, I stand by my reasoning and my rationale, right? I didn't see it from Sean Rossap. I didn't see it from Meltzer at the time. I didn't see it from Brandon Thurston or Wade Keller. It wasn't out there. I went to Slim Jim's website itself. It's It was the, the snap into a Slim Jim right on the fucking thing. I did everything I thought I could do to be like, yo, this is out of line. This is just fake news, right? Somebody's jumping to conclusions because of the, the contest thing was down. But uh, look, I'll admit when I'm wrong, I was wrong on that one. I'll eat it and uh, look, I'll learn a lesson on that one too. Being first to the party is not always best because that also means you could be wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrongity, wrong, wrong. And look, I wasn't, you know, to be fair, I also said this in the clip. I rest my case. Now, of course, speaking of journalists getting it wrong, does this mean that Slim Jim is not pulling their sponsorship? No. All it means is at this time, we have all the proof in the world right here on SlimJim.com that it's complete and total horseshit. They have their right on the front page. This is the home page. Guys. Come on, let's wait for credible sources on this and, and even just pay attention to the way these headlines are spinned. Hearing rumblings that they may have pulled sponsorship from Rumble turns into Slim Jim has confirmed with WWE that they're pulling all sponsorships from everything. Okay, we'll see. I could be wrong. And if I am, fuck it. I'm wrong, but I'll eat it. I'll come on here and say, well, I was wrong about that one. So it's not like I said it was complete bullshit and it would never happen. I just said I'm not seeing this from any credible source and all of these sites are starting to twist the words a little bit into something different than the original source said. So, uh, but nonetheless, I was wrong and I put it out too soon. And quite frankly, what's, what's most embarrassing about it is I was so brazen with it, you know? So like, you motherfuckers are fake news. You're the problem with wrestling, you know what I mean? Spreading around this shit, carrying it without substantiating it, whatever I said. And here I am spreading the fake news myself. So, yes, I deleted it. I tweeted and deleted, if you will, baby. But I didn't, I'm not hiding from it. So, there you go. I showed you the embarrassing clips, and I'm addressing the why and the how. So, I apologize for my misinformation. I will learn, I will grow. And, uh, you know, I took that one on the chin and, and I'll do better next time for you guys. Okay. Uh, because I want the credibility. I don't want to just say things to say things, right? I want to, you guys to know that if I say something on here, uh, it's based on what I've seen and, and researched for myself, even in that video yesterday, like I wasn't wrong. I was just wrong 
you know, two hours later. At the time, I wasn't wrong. But, uh, <laughs> you know, time makes an ass out of all of us. But all of that for not because it all ended up coming back around anyway. Let's hop back over here. And uh, we got this here for uh, Just ALX. We'll, we'll shout him out because I, I actually like this guy a lot. Uh, he's posts a lot of cool stuff. So a little props to him. Uh, he didn't, you know, break this news either. This is just, again, the first search on Twitter for this statement. But Slim Jim, back in the rumble. They are throwing their name back into the hat. Slim Jim has issued the following statement. After the departure of Vince McMahon and discussions with WWE, TKO senior leadership, Slim Jim has decided to re-enter the Royal Rumble. I love it. I love that they're back on board because they never wanted to be out of board. I don't don't get the impression that they were, you know, they were probably pretty bummed out about it because they are very much in the WWE business, as I showed, pointing out their, their uh, full website, you know, uh, over here. Look at this. SlimJim.com, look at that. That's their website. That's homepage, SlimJim.com. And then look at this. they got three whole tabs, products, buy now, WWE. So you can see why I was so indignant about it yesterday. But, uh, yeah, again, I will try to wait and see. When I see shit like that, instead of trying to rush to be first to the party and dunk on everybody, I should be uh, just wait and see if anybody else credible says anything about it. You know, give them an hour or two. So I wanted to be on top of that shit and squash it right away. And even give it any time to, like, be verified by anybody. So my bad. But uh, Slim Jim, back in the hunt. And I love this sponsorship, by the way. The Slim Jim and WWE belong together. They always have. Slim Jim and wrestling, I guess. Because, you know, even with, with WCW, it was just a fit. It just made sense. Macho Man as a character. Because just the very slogan, the snap into a Slim Jim, it's like... I don't know if it was that invented with the Macho Man uh, promotion or was that a slogan that they had even before that that Mach just kind of made iconic. But even that act of it's it's aggressive, right? You want you want a wrestler to be a part of that. And I like how their commercials, they go back to their previous lineage and, you know, they got the uh, they still represent Macho Man in the in the product. Hopefully his estate's getting a little paycheck from that. But it's a good sponsorship other than the ridiculous, you know, we're going to watch the Royal Rumble and uh, like we had at SummerSlam with the whole Slim Jim Battle Royal thing with the ring. So I don't like that. I think it's tacky as fuck. And I get it. It's nice to sell the sponsorships. They're making good money. But also, I feel like it ruins the moment a little bit. Like what was on uh, when Rey Mysterio was facing Dominic at WrestleMania? There was something ridiculous like... Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's right. It was the Cinnamon Toast Crunch match. So while Dominic and Rey Mysterio, father versus son, the blow off to this big storyline that they've been telling for a while, one of the more anticipated matches of that year, everybody was looking at the fucking Cinnamon Toast Crunch banner surrounding the entire ring. Every shot that you saw Rey Mysterio versus Dominic, you saw the little fucking smiley face on the Cinnamon Toast Crunch emoji. It's ridiculous. I get it. It's a money-making thing, but come on, guys. You can start making the wrestlers come out with fucking Slim Jim on their gear now and stuff, too. Like, draw the line, folks. Draw the line. 
I don't know. I mean, I got uh, you. If you're gonna do those, do them on like generic matches that nobody cares about. If you do them on historical, I think like Dominic and Ray is one that video footage will be shown of for a long, long time. And I just don't think that that video should, footage should contain cinnamon toast crunch. You know, you can't really have an iconic WrestleMania moment with a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch in the background or a Slim Jim for that matter. You're not going to have an iconic WrestleMania moment with Slim Jim on the fucking surrounded in the Slim Jim arena. It's they literally deck it out to the point where it's like if you made a created an arena in WWE 2K, it would be the Slim Jim arena. You know, you're putting slapping that banner on every goddamn thing. It's everywhere. Enough. But I'm glad they're back in it. I'm glad that all seems to be right with the world with Vince McMahon ducking out. And uh, I'm glad I could get back on here and clear that up with you guys. And uh, just, you know, apologize for, I guess, being too quick to the jump there. And uh, letting my ego get ahead of my uh, patience, I guess. So we'll leave it there. That's all I got to say about that. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below if you have any. Even like, do you eat Slim Jims? They got that savage one, the big, big meaty bastard. The problem is, is they're like fucking 10 bucks. Go to Slim Jims, they're so expensive. Can't justify it. Like, here's how my brain works. When I look at a Slim Jim, it's like a small, thin little stick of whatever for like two bucks, right? 230 something, even. I go. I could go to McDonald's and I could get myself two McChickens for that. I'd rather have a full fucking sa- get a sandwich. I could buy a McDouble for that shit. Right? Or a McChicken and fries or something. You get the point. Like a Slim Jim. Ah, that ain't going to fill me up. But uh, I digress. I'm talking too long. Peace, love, and pizza. We'll catch you in the next video. So imagine you're a teenage girl driving down the freeway. Now, don't imagine you're a teenage girl too hard because then it's going to get creepy and we don't want to do that. But imagine you're a teenage girl. You're driving down the freeway. You're listening to your Taylor Swift. You're drinking out of your Stanley Cup, which was fine, by the way. Then all of a sudden it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. You don't know what happened, but you are upside down. The car is leaking fluids. You're on the side of the road, there's smoke, there's commotion, the airbag has pushed up against you, it's hard to breathe, hard to move, and all feels hopeless when suddenly a hero emerges from the darkness, and this hero tears his NWO t-shirt off, brother. Are you okay down there, brother? And he reaches his strong, masculine, manly hand through the wreckage. And he pulls you out to safety. Of course, maybe it didn't happen exactly like that. But look, we all have our fantasies. Don't shame me. Hulk Hogan came to the rescue of some teenage girl along with his buddy and his girlfriend. Uh, They were just out for a night drive. And a wreck happened right in front of them. And Hulk Hogan, his buddy, and his wife jumped out and came to the rescue of this girl. Uh, It's a story too good to believe. It sounds like something Hulk would tell 
you know, in one of his tall tales in an interview. You know, I saved a girl from a car that had flipped over. I had my NWO t-shirt on, brother, and I jumped right in the action. I popped the airbag. It sounds like a bullshit story. Sounds like another Hulk Hogan tall tale, but this one, my friends, is real, and it did happen. And for more details on this, let's go over to our friends over at TMZ who had the scoop on the scene. Hulk Hogan rescued a 17-year-old girl who was involved in a really bad crash. So this uh, woman's car actually rolls over. Now this is on a, a highway in Florida. There was somebody who was apparently uh, about to miss an exit and cuts over and somehow hits this woman's it car. Clipped, it clipped her car. Right. Now it just so happens that Hulk Hogan, who was with his wife Sky, one of his other buddies. A, a buddy who was in the military. It, right. Uh, happens to be first on the scene. and. They jump into action. They, they actually are the people who helped her get out of the car. The military guy, I think he was in the Marines, his buddy, um, he said, I need to pop the airbag. Hulk had a knife in his car. So they took the knife and they So they popped the airbag. That's pretty cool. Help, like help the woman get out. And obviously she's, she's traumatized. I mean, the car is, it's flipped Can you over. imagine being so disoriented and the first thing you hear is, are you okay, brother? Hey, brother, yeah. <laughs> Good to see the Hulkster paying back some of that karmic debt that he has accrued in life towards the back end here. Uh, look, everybody grew up on Hulkamania. Well, maybe not everybody, right? I'm sure some of you grew up on John Cena like R-Truth did. But for people of my generation, we grew up on Hulkamania. Now, I was a Macho Man guy. I was an Ultimate Warrior guy. I wasn't the biggest fan of Hulkamania, but certainly... My childhood was surrounded by say your prayers, eat your vitamins, brother. And that's what I grew up on. That's what I knew, the American hero Hulkster. Then somewhere along the way, whether art imitated life or life imitated art, once that Hollywood Hogan character came in, we got to see a more dark side of the Hulkster. Suddenly the story started coming out about the uh, that doesn't work for me, brother, and all the locker room politics and stuff. And then past that, we get into all the racist stuff and all those different comments and just the things over the years that Hulk Hogan, the many lies of Hulk Hogan. Hogan has, uh, you know, the manipulation, the, the locker room politics. There's a lot that could be said on the negative side of the karma sheet for the Hulkster. So I think when we run into these kind of things where people are out there doing good, there's not enough good news in the world. We always report the bad, right? Hulk Hogan said racist shit. MJF calls Hulk Hogan a racist. Hulk Hogan this, Hulk Hogan that. Uh, but, you know, it is important to shine a light on when people do good, too. And we have Hulkamania coming out in his NWO t-shirt. Can you imagine, by the way, I know they said it in the TMZ clip there. Can you imagine? You okay, brother? But, like, really picture that. Of all of the people that are going to come to your rescue, it's fucking Hulk Hogan wearing an NWO shirt, nonetheless. Like, I couldn't write it better myself if Hulkamania was going to come rescue me from a car accident. In said story, Hulk Hogan would be wearing an NWO shirt, right? And then he'd give me the, the, you know, the four life brother as he walks away, strokes his Fu Manchu and moves on with his business. Uh, this was good shit. Hulk Hogan got in there. He popped the, uh, the airbag. TMZ said it was a knife. I had heard also somebody else reported that it was actually a pen that Hogan used. 
Regardless, Hogan was able, along with his buddy and his wife or whatever, were able to save this teenage girl from the wreckage. And apparently everybody's fine. Nobody's hurt to any, you know, nobody's crippled. Nobody's dead. So all's well that ends well. The car looks pretty messed up, but, uh, you know, that's the least of her worries. Hopefully she's got good insurance and such. But she does have a good story to tell going forward. And doesn't this sound like one of Hulk Hogan's tall tales that he tells? You know, we would hear about this in future interviews. Yeah, brother, I pulled this girl out from a wreckage. Just on the freeway, I saw the car flip in front of me. So I ran out, popped the airbag, and pulled her out. You okay, brother? It sounds like one of his tall tales. You know, he's a guitar player for Metallica almost and fucking spent 20 years in Japan, right? All of that stuff. So uh, Hulkster, known to tall tales, but he can add this one to his list, and I'm sure he'll embellish still, right? You know, I heard a voice telling me I had to go do something. There was an angel floating. I don't fucking know. I'm not going to. Pretend to be inside his head, but I'm sure he'll find a way to embellish it. But I'm just rambling on at this point and trying to bring, take the piss out of Hulk Hogan's good deed, which I should not do. What do you guys think? Hollywood Hogan comes to the rescue of a teen girl pulling her out of the wreckage of a car, right? Good for Hulk. You can't you can't knock the man for it. Say what you will about the Hulkster and his past and his negative deeds. Like I said, it's good that he is adding back to the karmic debt, right? He's moving a little bit of that balance over to the plus side, right? So I'm all for that. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, look, I, I don't hate Hulk Hogan. And I want Hulk Hogan to... I'm glad Hulk's doing okay. I'm glad that he's at peace in his life. He's found God. He's happy with this younger woman. I just, you know, man, like, I hope he ends his life in peace. His last few years are good for him. That's not to say he's on his way out the door, but, I mean, he's getting up there, right? You know, I just... What I'm saying is I hope it ends well for the Hulkster. And I hope at the end of the day when we look back... Everybody, nobody's going to forget the, the negative that he put out into this world, but hopefully there's a lot of good there where a lot of people can kind of take the good and take the both, take the bad, take them both. And there you have the facts of Hulk, brother. But that's it. I'll leave it there. We're getting out of control here. What do you guys think? Let me know down in the comments below. Who would be your dream rescue? You're pinned under a car. Airbags pushing against you. You can't move. You can't do shit. You're stuck. Who comes to save your life? What wrestler? Name the wrestler. Is it Hulkamania in an NWO t-shirt? And bonus points, right, if they're wearing their own merch. Right? Like if uh, Dom Mysterio or Nick Mysterio come to rescue you and they're wearing the mommy t-shirt, that's pretty dope, right? We want to see that kind of shit. Anyway, we're off the rails here. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next brother. Let me tell you something, brother. You can check out full episodes each and every Sunday right here on this channel, dude. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe. And don't forget to take your vitamins and say your prayers, brother. Back in the day, the pro wrestling business was highly protected. And when you had some smart-ass, smarmy TV host or journalist 
try to get cute, think he's being funny, and tries to call out wrestling for being that fake phony bullshit. It has not traditionally ended well for said TV host or journalist. There's a long history of this. Check out these clips. I think this is fake. You think it's fake? What's that? Is that fake? Huh? What the hell's wrong with you? That's open hand slap, huh? You think it's fake? You come the audience your audience they're in on the joke right what joke i did so what, what you're trying joke? to say is <laughs> okay you, okay when i say in on the joke i mean that people know that you're not really beating each other up okay that, let's just we got oh, a long no, okay, stop right there you, you consider that a joke do you no no it's a phrase in on the joke means that you know that you're watching it with a sense of irony. I think in the old days they watched wrestling in a different way. I think today's audience watches wrestling and they are in on the joke. That's not an insult. So what you're trying to say is what, I mean, people I are just dying way. for this. I take it as an insult, too. I do, too. I mean, but they're so, dying to find out, hey, okay. wrestling's right, then fake. Hey, we're, no. we're, then the you're only telling me that you're really hitting each other? No. No. The, the sound of the chair is real, okay? We are entertainment, but when a metal chair cracks your back, that's not fake. You, you that somebody throws you from... It's you a just, metal... Yes, I, you know what? I'm there's so never a bruise no, no. on any of you. Bologna, you, you got a minute? Look at this. <laughs> no. Metal hip. I'm, I'm sure you heard this before, that they say this wrestling is not for real, is it? Like, you, you act, or...? Well, let's put it this way. What we do, if it is acting, we'd take a normal man and break him in half. You know, that's such an unoriginal question for someone to ask. Um, is it just for the wrestling shows that... Excuse uh, me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm sorry, yeah. You give him a chance to respond to yeah, that this question. Yeah, this is the question I'm going to ask you now. I'd like okay, to respond to the same question. Okay, please, go ahead. Well, my astute colleague, the heavyweight champion of the world, very diplomatic individual, I'm perhaps not quite so diplomatic. In fact, I find your, your question and uh, your remarks insulting to what I do. Physically, no man can do what I do in the ring. If they could, why wouldn't they be out there making type of money we make and enjoy the type of fame and lifestyle that we enjoy. So I find your remark and your question insulting. It's not my question, it's somebody who... Oh. Does that fucking feel fake, huh? Does that feel fake? Does it? Oh, no, no, just... Why don't you come down tonight and before I kick his ass, I'll kick your ass. Okay, all, all right. right? Just calm down. Don't, hey, we're not here to be insulted. I'm not here to be insulted. Okay. Now, the first thing you need to know about amateur wrestling... Yes? ...or professional wrestling or submission holds. You just tell me, brother, when you want him to quit squealing, okay? All right. It's called a front chin lock. How about it, T? Keep him like that for a little while. Because... He's all right. He's just sleeping. He's sleeping. Really, that's, I, was, I was a sleeper hole. He'd be all right. He's waking up now. That was a serious... Right, a lot of people... See, it works. All right, brother. And now, we'll be right back after this word from you know who. You hear this? We'll be right back.
But nowadays, people seem to get it, right? The media, everybody is kind of on the same page. We get that it's a show. It's openly admitted that this is a show, that this is entertainment now by the wrestlers themselves, by the promoters themselves. Look, nobody's trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes at this point, except for maybe Jim Cornette, right, would still want people to believe that it's real wrestling and wants to see the fans try to come over and stab the wrestlers because they got so much heat, you know, the evil foreign heel. I'm digressing. Uh, but everybody knows what wrestling is nowadays, and people are pretty much accepting of it. Except for these douchebag TV hosts over at the Sunrise Show in Australia. L.A. Knight and Grayson Waller were over in Perth, Australia, to promote the Elimination Chamber, doing the media rounds. And they were sitting on this show, and everything seemed to be going fine for the most part, until one of these dipshit TV hosts said, hey! Why don't you put me in a wrestling hold? <laughs> to which, you know, uh, the wrestlers appropriately responded like, bro, if we put you in a hold, it's, it's, gonna, it's not going to feel good, right? And then uh, that seemed to be a challenge to this TV host because uh, wrestling's fake and phony, of course. So why would this move hurt? That's ridiculous, right? You guys are phony wrestlers. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, actually, we got this this TV producer guy, some guy fucking holding the boom mic or something comes up. He's like, ah, it's his last day. Why don't you put something on this guy, you know, to demonstrate something for us. So this schmuck comes up on camera from behind camera, and he's doing this whole, let me at him, let me at him, you know, trying to put on a show and just make a mockery of the whole pro wrestling thing, like just some fucking silly dweeb is pretending like he's going to be able to hang with a wrestler, you know, and it's and it's it's insulting. It's a mockery. They're being insulting is what they're doing. Maybe it wasn't their intention. I don't know how what they do over in Australia, how shit happens over there, but it was insulting. And it was insulting especially to Grayson Waller of all people who fuck, I didn't know he was this kind of guy. Uh but he stood up and he got in this motherfucker's face. And this is exactly what happened. Check out this clip. Uh, LA, can you give us one of your signature finishing moves? Can I give you yeah, one? Yeah, can you, like, <laughs> not me. Not me. I'll just be over here. But can you show us one of the moves? No, I, I think it like actually just showed on the screen there. If yeah. I do that, it's not going to be well, a good day for anybody. Maybe someone in, a, like, our, our floor manager, maybe he seems <laughs> well, available. actually, our floor manager's leaving this week. Yeah. And uh, he's sort of, yeah. I don't know. If... That's, uh, that's not for me. You want to go ahead and uh, take this one? Look. <laughs> you... Uh oh. I don't think you understand. Like, if I come over there right now, we're going to have the police here because I'm not going to give you some fake punch. Like, I'm going to punch you straight in the jaw. <laughs> the actual the disrespect that you have even talking to me. No, you want to talk to me like this is this, this ain't real? I got no. Don't act all tough, lad. Don't act all tough. I'm going to get in the middle of this. You, you kick back. You kick back. Get him out of there. You get out of there. You get out of there. I'm so sorry. You don't do that. You guys come here trying to disrespect us. Are you kidding me? I'm not disrespecting you. You're all right, mate. No, we love you. Hey, you take that trash talk and you get out of here. You get out of here. You take that trash talk. You get out. I won't have these guests disrespected like that, Mitch. You get out. Oh. Can you wrap this up? Hold your pants tight. Okay. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for coming in. Now, we probably got a couple people already screaming, work, it's work, it's a work. Maybe. I thought that. thought about that, too, you know, but I don't think so. I don't think you're going to work some TV stooge being a big mouth. Being a smart ass, being a dipshit. 
and I got a lot of respect for Grayson Waller. I did not finger him to be that kind of guy. But, man, he stood up, you know, even before L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight was just kind of sitting there just amused by the whole thing. He didn't even look shook. He wasn't nervous. He wasn't caught off guard. He's just, like, watching, you know, like with the proverbial bucket of popcorn, you know. Let's see how this one goes. Uh, But these TV people were all fucking clowns. The lady sitting on the couch, she's smiling, laughing about the whole thing. The other guy, the TV host guy, he's being a douchebag. Oh, it's just silly wrestling stuff. And then the fucking nerd who came up on camera, he's lucky he didn't get knocked the fuck out. So the last thing you want to do is get up in a wrestler's face and do one of these. Come on, tough guy. Huh? We all know it's fake and phony. Give me one. Give me one. As Waller said, if I stand up, I'm not going to give you a fake phony powder puff punch. I'm going to knock you the fuck out, bro. And I believe him. And I still think we need this in professional wrestling today. Now, look, it's a different business. You can't just get up and choke out. You couldn't do it back in the day. David Schultz got fired, ended up getting released from WWE. There were lawsuits for the John Stossel thing. There were, uh, you know, the Vader, I think, gotten pretty good. Didn't he get arrested over in that foreign country for a minute? Or he almost got arrested? Like... There's consequences for this, but at the same time, like, Hulk Hogan got the shit suit out of him when he choked out that other guy. But that's you, you have to. And it's not that wrestling needs to be protected anymore. You don't got to convince everybody that it's real. But you can't let people get in your face and make a mockery of you. That's, I mean... Yes, you can be the bigger man and check your ego at the door, but you're a professional wrestler in the professional wrestling business. You have to protect your character. A Grayson Waller can't get punked out by some fucking nerdy TV producer going, oh, come on, this shit's phony. Let's go. I'll take one. I can take one of your fake phony punches. No, you can't. No, you can't. You'd get smoked in a fake phony match, sir, because that shit hurts badly. I think Grayson Waller, hopefully he didn't get in any kind of trouble for this. And if he had knocked that guy out, he probably would have gotten in trouble, sued, thrown in jail. Um, but I think it's important that we do that still. And like I said, it's not to protect kayfabe. It's to show people that wrestlers are legit tough guys. It's to, it is an ego thing. But you can't you can't let anybody check you like that when you're a professional wrestler. Some fucking dweeb on the street. Now, look, they could be trolling for a lawsuit or something like that. But you're on live TV and this guy is trying to make a mockery of you. That is the best choice of action is to stand up and say, dude, I'm going to knock you out if you don't stop doing this clown shit right now. It's the way to do it. You can chill back like L.A. Knight. I'm surprised L.A. Knight didn't get into the mix. He probably just figured Grayson's got it handled pretty well. I'll just kick back and, and watch it go down. What would you do in that situation if you were a wrestler? How do you feel about that? Do you think that the wrestling business should be protected still in that way? Like we're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes and say, yeah, this is, you know, this is real. We're, we're really beating each other up here, guys. Well, they are really beating each other up. So you can't even say that. You get my point. Is it a pull the wool over the eyes thing? We still want to protect kayfabe, brother, brother. Or is it more of just like, look. Grayson Waller is a professional 
tough guy athlete who beats people up for a living still and gets beaten up for a living still. And you can't let some fucking clown come up and, and make fun of it like it's like it's phony bullshit because it's not. Let me fucking tell you something, brother. Get in a wrestling ring. Take a bump. Get hit. It hurts. It all hurts. I mean, it doesn't hurt a lot. You know, we're not out trying to kill each other or anything, but still. It deserves more respect than some fucking clown behind the camera coming up and I would have stood behind Grayson Waller knocking that guy's teeth out all day long, regardless of the punishment he gets in. And, you know, look, uh, a guy like uh, Triple H. Well, probably not going to punish him all that much. Triple H knows better. He's been in the business. He's been a worker. He's protected kayfabe. If anybody knows, it's going to be Triple H. And the higher-ups aren't going to give a shit. You see what they let the people in the UFC talk about and do? See what they let them motherfuckers get away with? All right, Emmanuel's not going to step in and try to censor anybody. This was a good thing that... Uh, that Grayson Waller did and in fact it makes me respect Grayson Waller that much more uh he's on my he's on my uh nice list now instead of my naughty list my shit list right I love me some Grayson Waller now for him to do that that earned a lot of brownie points in my opinion because that guy was being a dick and he deserved to get punched the they were not being respectful they were treating wrestling as a clown show and that is the absolute wrong approach in media guys if, if, if there's wrestling media in the sound of my voice, do not approach wrestlers as if they are clowns because I assure you it will not end well. These are tough guys. These are tough guys with egos. These are mean guys in a lot of ways. And look, they're professional. They're professionally trained. They can do the media. And look, they're probably decent people, but they will all kick your fucking ass if you put them in a position to. Every last one of them will. The Miz, the weakest cuck, Pussy guy on the roster will kick your fucking ass if you challenge him. I promise you. I promise you. So let's try to get that shit out of the media. Uh, it's just not the route you want to take. I don't care. Kayfabe 2024. I don't care what you think you know about wrestling or believe about wrestling. Wrestlers are tough guys. Wrestlers are legit guys. And some TV nerd from behind the camera comes up and tries to clown a couple wrestlers and make it all look like a goofy shit show. I don't blame Grayson one bit from, for standing up, getting in his face and saying, bro, I'm going to knock you the fuck out if you don't stop right now. That's how it should be. But what are your guys' thoughts? How do you feel about this? Was Grayson out of line in this? Are we in an era now in the 2024 PG uh, you know, PC, PG era where you just go, you can't be threatening to beat people up nowadays. Uh, was it all in good fun? Did he read the room wrong? Did he misinterpret these Australian folks as just trying to have a good old time? Or if you were him or LA Knight, would you have gotten up in his face and threatened to knock him out? Or would you have knocked him out? Would you have just punched him? Oh, you think this is bullshit? You're going to clown me like that? Pa! Now you don't have front teeth. Fuck you. Uh, that's just my thoughts on it. I think uh, with Triple H being your direct boss, and I think with uh, Endeavor, TKO, Ari Emanuel, those people, they're not going to do a goddamn thing. 
They let UFC run around and UFC fighters say and do whatever the fuck they want, pretty much. So they're not going to come in and try to micromanage wrestlers for doing the same. It's a tough guy business. They're letting the tough guys be tough guys, and I think uh, that's how it should be. But those are just my thoughts, and I do think we do need to keep a little bit of that kayfabe out there still. Not that we're trying to pretend that this is a work or anything, or I mean that this is real, but... I think when when anybody challenges a pro wrestler as a clown, as as a phony, as it's just ah, it's just a show. I can I can do this too. Look how I can be a fake phony tough guy too. Those those guys need to get punched in the face. There's no ifs ands or buts about it. But that's just me. That's just where I come from. Let me know your thoughts down in those comments below. Uh, would you? What would you have done? Let me know. Peace, love, and pizza. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Oh, yeah. Thanks for checking out the video. Yeah. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like it if you liked it. Yeah. You can check out full episodes each and every Sunday right here on the channel. Oh, yeah. Dig it. This week in Pro Wrestling Podcast, Chris Jericho and DDP have an awkward conversation about gayness. Renee Paquette talks about her decision to leave WWE and their refusal to let her go. Matt Cardona shows us his toy room. Conrad Thompson missing in action. And a very rare appearance by the Joe Rogan Experience. This is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. And I'm Seth Grimes. And what better way to kick this off than with a clip from the greatest podcast of all time, Certainly the most famous podcast of all time, the Joe Rogan Experience as the dead man. That's right, the dead man himself, The Undertaker, made an appearance on the Joe Rogan Experience. I popped so hard when I seen that. I'm scrolling through my feed. I'm looking. I went through all the wrestling ones, so now I'm looking through my other ones. Pop open Joe. Let's see what's on Joe today. Mark fucking Calloway. Mark fucking Calloway, The Undertaker. I popped right up out of my seat, threw my hands in the air like a little girl, and uh, proceeded to listen for about three hours. Awesome interview. A lot of the same shit gets said that has been said in multiple interviews by The Undertaker. You know, ever since he broke kayfabe, he's been going on this media tour, and he's been telling the same stories, basically, on every single interview. So a lot of this is repeat, but Joe has a way... Just besides the fact that this is a long-form interview, right? So that's going to naturally create more content than he would say in other interviews. But Joe has a way of talking to people, too, to getting the most out of them. And this was a really fantastic interview, a lot of fun stuff, uh, a lot of repeat stuff, like I said, but a lot of new stuff as well. Um, but this clip in particular was very interesting when Joe asked what he thought about the new stuff nowadays, if he's a fan of wrestling in its current form and uh undertaker really didn't uh he, he, tr he tried to hesitate a little bit uh, knowing that he's probably gonna get a little backlash for it but uh here's what he said 
Um, you, do you still follow uh, WWE now? Are you still? Yeah, yeah. Because I think you know once things kind of start to lighten up, hopefully. You know, Can you enjoy it as a fan, or is it like are you too close to it? I try. Uh, the, it, it's tough right now for me because uh, it's the product has changed so much, and uh, it's kind of soft. Mm. You know, are you gonna uh, get in trouble for saying that? Probably. <laughs> I, I probably piss a lot of people off, but they need to hear it. I right. mean, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, but to the young guys, oh, he's, you know, he's a bitter old guy. You right. Know, I'm not bitter. I, I did my time. I'm, I'm good. I walked away when I wanted to walk away. I just think the product is, is a little, uh, uh, a little soft. There's guys, there's obviously, there's guys here and there that, that have an edge to them. Um, uh, but there's, there's, there's too much pretty, not enough substance. I think right now, not just soft. But S-A-W-F-T, soft, but for real. Undertaker's got a point, right? Shit's not the same nowadays as it was back in my day, as The Undertaker would say. Great interview. Go ahead and check out the full interview. Joe Rogan Experience, available exclusively on Spotify, if you haven't heard. Uh, But they do put the clips on YouTube and shit, too. So check it out, though. Check out the full interview. You get the full rundown of every ache and pain Undertaker's ever had and all kinds of other shit. Uh, it's worth checking out. It's an interesting dynamic. That's it, y'all. A huge, huge episode 100 in the can. Honestly, I can't think of a better 100th episode. This could have been a lame week. Could have been very non-eventful in the news category, but... Pretty much every single thing that could possibly happen in the wrestling world happened this week. Uh, So, man, I just, I love what we do. I got so excited all week long when the Vince story broke. I wanted to jump out and do that, the whole Slim Jim thing. I fucking, like, literally on my break from work, ran down to record that one. Probably should have held off on that, as we talked about. Uh, But look, you know, I am only human, and I've only been doing this 100 episodes uh, which leads me to my big announcement. Are you ready? Drum roll. First of all, I want to thank you guys for getting me here once again. Uh, you know, I am but a humble, average person, just a mark-ass wrestling fan like any one of you guys. A lifelong wrestling fan who has brought my knowledge to this show of just being a fan. Just being an overly nerdy fan that reads a lot, listens to a lot, watches a lot. A historian, if you will, who has dabbled in the pro wrestling world, both as a promoter, as a uh, manager, like a, a good guy, commissioner, authority figure, a bad guy, manager... A ring announcer. Um, you know, I've had a lot of fun in the wrestling business. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I love. I get excited for this. And uh, so no threat, no frets, no worries, no threats either. Uh, the show, I, I'm not going anywhere. This is, I am going to be bringing you the wrestling each and every single week. But I'm bringing on a co-host. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. The big announcement, I've been kind of tiptoeing around it long enough, is that with episode 100, 
of the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast. Episode 100 is a full episode of the podcast. And then as you know, if you're a YouTube watcher, I'll take that full episode and I will chop it up into clips and upload those clips onto YouTube and uh, do shorts and that sort of thing too. Uh, But this is the 100th episode of the full episodes. And with that said... Uh, It no longer makes sense to me, business-wise, time-wise, effort-wise, to do full episodes of the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast. So, effective, now this will be the last full episode of the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast. Uh, It's something that I've been wanting to do since probably in the 80s, even. Full episode listeners will start to have noticed it has gotten sporadic. Used to drop every Sunday, and then sometimes it'd be Monday, sometimes it'd be Tuesday, sometimes I'd skip a week altogether. And that's because life gets in the way. Look, I got a shoot job, a full real time job. It's not a laziness thing. It's not a, ah, I didn't care to get up and do anything that week. This is not my full time job yet. I intend for it to be. But I have a full time job. I got kids. I got a girlfriend. I got other shit. I'm a writer. You know what I mean? Like I got a life to live. Got to go grocery shopping once in a while, clean the litter box, play with the cat. Look, man, shovel the driveway. I got a life to live and and it's hard to meet deadlines every single Sunday with that. And now I know some of you might call me a pussy because you will know of other people that are able to meet those deadlines and good for them. My show is unique. I make more work for myself in my show. It's also very easy to sit down like I'm doing right now and just talk to a microphone, hit save, slap a generic thumbnail on it and upload it. Uh, If you notice, I put a lot of work into my thumbnails. They're essentially memes most of the time. Sometimes it's just a picture of the guy or whatever. But I do, I have been doing a lot of memes in them and trying to make them humorous or make them stand as their own separate art piece to go along with the video. You know, instead of just putting Vince McMahon's face like I did for this one uh, for his resignation because I wanted to get that up so quick. I'm not going to spend, you know, I didn't want to spend the extra time trying to cut out the background and... You know, find something to blend it with and color grade it. and eh, You know what I'm saying? Like, just wanted to get that up. But I do all of that normally. And it, uh, even the different templates, like switching from, you know, the YouTube to the clip to the screen, uh, you know, the, the screener where I'm, you know, b- before we pitch to the clip. Uh, cutting, editing, down- saving, downloading, editing the clip. And I'm not complaining. I love this. What I'm saying is I make a lot of work for myself and to be able to meet that hard deadline of a Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning, even Sunday night every single week has become daunting to go along with that. Uh, Some weeks are just plain old slow. If I've skipped a week, it's either because I was out of town on a vacation, sick, COVID, uh, I had a recent emergency room visit. Or, you know, maybe I'm going out of town with my girlfriend. We do that two once in a while. Or, uh, you know, there have been a few times where I've skipped a week just because there was not enough to fill a full episode. I'm not going to drop a half hour episode. I'm not going to sit here and try to talk for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes or more about something. Oh, Thunder Rosa was on the fucking Vicky Guerrero podcast and talked about what it's like to be a Hispanic woman in the wrestling business. Like, okay, like that might be the best interview we get all week. Some weeks 
it's rare, but it, it's happened. And like, what do I do with that? Honestly, like, and how do I make full episodes? Um, so I, it had kind of come to a point where I was toying around with, and also it was causing burnout, having to meet the requirements. It was making this, which I love, which I, I enjoy. This is a passion of mine. I have fun doing it. I look forward to doing it. I get excited. My dick literally will get hard. Not literally. That's gross. Scratch that out. But figuratively, my dick will get nice and hard and aroused to come and talk about wrestling with you guys. So, and it's not because of you guys. It's not, it's not, that's separate. It's the conversation. Um, it's just, it got to a point where it was work sometimes and a chore and I'm putting off spending time with people or it just, I don't want it to be in that position. Now, that's just the first part of it. What else backs that up, right? Because if the podcast itself was such a huge success, maybe, just maybe, I could tough that out or figure out a way around it. But also, uh, just to let you guys in, I won't show you any number. Well, let's see what we can pull up here. The uh, full-length podcast itself uh, is the lowest viewed, most not... You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, it's a nothing burger compared to everything else here. I'm pulling up my YouTube now. Uh, and then we'll also take a look at, uh, well, I won't show you, but like the podcast feed too. I'm telling you guys, sometimes the podcast, like on Spotify or Apple or whatever, I'm looking at a play. Sometimes the plays are in the single digits. It's comparable to what I'm at on YouTube. Look, I'm not hiding anything. I'm not going to hide it because the the clips, on the other hand, sometimes do very, very, very well for me. And the shorts, and it just shows me that that's where I need to spend time. I'll need to spend my time. I'm going to still do the exact same show I do all the time. I'm going to do all the same segments, every clip, every topic I cover. It's all going to look the same on YouTube. No full episodes, no deadlines. If there's no news today, I'm going to not put up a video today. If there's five stories tomorrow, I'm going to put up, try to put up five whole videos. I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to do them when I can get to them. And this will also allow me to not be tied to this week. You know, if there's a story from last week that I haven't quite been able to get to yet, but I really do want to talk about it, it's just, you know, where do you fit it all in? Uh, then that's what we're going to do, too. So... Let's pop on over to here, and if you are able to see my YouTube screen here, I want to show you, I'm not sure if you're able to see these numbers, but if we're looking, so my more recent video is not doing so hot, actually, to be 100% honest with you, but this Lexus King, for example, I did a video uh, last week, right? Yeah, it was last week for Lexus King on uh, AEW or whatever with Chris Van Vliet. 2,209 views on that. Uh, even, you know, my more less performing ones, UFC, Sean Strickland video, 184. Grayson Waller, nobody cared about that, 22. Hulk Hogan saves a girl, 446 views. But even here, Bischoff and Thompson, 726 CM Punk on WWE Return, 709. The Chris Jericho, Kylie Ray follow-up where I, I roasted Nick Hausman has 1,300 views. Tony Khan, everybody taking their shots at Tony Khan, 1,820 views. Look, I'm not going to keep going, but you get the point, right? Let's compare that now. Let's go to these full episodes. We have 23 views 
on last full episode, 29 views. On the episode before that, 43 views. Ooh, that was a, a, a big one. 16 views. On a week where I had an ace, did the ace steal story that drew 2,479 views on the clip itself. Previous full episode, 32 views. So it's getting to the point where these full episodes, now let's pop over to shorts and why I want to be spending a lot of my time on shorts. Raw to Netflix, comparable, right? Like on that full video, uh, my Raw to Netflix recently uh, was is in the low double digits. Oops, lost my spot here. Where are we? Meh. There it is, shorts. We're live, pal. Don't worry about it. Uh, a short, 860 views on that. This R-Truth short about his merch, 6,102 views. Uh, that's where all my subscribers came from. And guess what? I'm monetized now. And guess what? I'm getting paid now. Like there's money coming in already. So uh, it's not on the podcast end. So honestly, guys, like as fun as it is to do a full episode, to have these conversations with you, to be able to chat at the end and all of that and be able to group the week's worth of clips together. Uh, at this time, it's not feasible. Now, I'm not retiring the podcast. Uh, it's on a hiatus or suspension, perhaps something to that effect. Maybe there will be a time, you know, where, uh, you know, this is my full time job, for example. Then I'll have no issues bringing back a full episode. And by then, maybe I'll have more of a following where the full episodes will get more steam. It's just right now, like, I'm small enough where I have to pick and choose where I want to put my efforts in. And it's all in the numbers. I'm looking at my numbers. I'm looking at what people are watching, listening to, downloading. And it's not the full episodes. The podcast feeds themselves are worse than the numbers are on YouTube. I have not hit into the thousands on any full episode of a podcast ever, ever, ever. I've barely hit 100 on the YouTube with that. I have here and there in the podcast feed. We're just I'm being frank with you. I'm that small, guys. Uh, but, you know, look, on YouTube, I'm getting hundreds of video views on some videos and thousands of views on others so that's where i'm going to put my effort in that's what's paying me money that's where people are watching my product so unfortunately i do know i have podcast exclusive listeners i urge you to please pretty please pop on over and subscribe to me on youtube i'm not going anywhere it's all the same content i am going to also keep the feed open and uh we'll try I, I, I don't know. I can't say for sure because this might end up just being the same thing. But I'm going to try to maybe upload the clips to the podcast feed. Uh, and maybe it'll be a, a day or two later. It's not going to be a priority because nobody's listening over there. But maybe the clips will do better there as well. Uh, so that might be something I try in a little bit. Uh, but that's it, folks. That's the big announcement. Absolutely nothing changes. It's going to be me, just me, doing the same exact Topics, clips, segments that I've always done that you can scroll through my YouTube or listen to my back catalog on the podcast. And with this very episode, the way I did everything here, it's going to continue. Literally nothing changes. I am just no longer going to be formatting them into a full episode or trying to meet any kind of deadlines or keep to a regular schedule. I'm going to do videos when I can do videos and when current events dictate, such as getting the video up for Vince McMahon last night and the Slim Jim video, 
when shit like that happens, I'll try to be on top of it as best as I can. That's where my attention needs to be right now when I have a real job, when I have kids, when I have a life outside of everything else. And trust me, I spend more time, I spend so much time, literally almost all of my free time is here with you guys working on stuff. I mean, shorts, you'd be surprised how much uh, effort a short takes. Maybe if I'm just clipping out a segment, you know, and then just pasting it up like that, then maybe not so much. But, you know, I put graphics in, I get uh, B-roll footage of, you know, I talk about the Netflix deal. I got Raw playing in the background and the Netflix thing. And it's like production value, man. And I think that, in, in the time I spend on my thumbnails, the memes, I think over time, that's the kind of stuff that will get me ahead. So I'm going to put my efforts there. And hopefully someday this is a full-time job and we can revisit podcast, you know, the full-length podcast 2.0, starting with episode 101. Uh, like I said, I did want to stop all the way back to the late 80s, I had kind of realized. Certainly in the 90s, I was like, okay, let's just get through these, which is sad. You don't want to have that. Uh, but I knew I wanted to get to episode 100 because it's, it is a milestone. It's a significant milestone. Most people will never, ever, ever reach. Uh, most most podcasts never reach that amount. And I, I don't know that this podcast, uh, you can't really say it's ending. The name isn't even changing. Uh, because podcasts have um, grown beyond just the long form. You know, it can be anything, and it can certainly be the YouTube segments, and especially if I'm uploading to the podcast feed. So the name will even stay the same. I toyed around, actually, with calling it, finding different names for it, but why? What's the point? And really, like, if it's just a show, a clip show on YouTube, people probably aren't even going to care what the name is anyway, right? Like, honestly, it's like, oh, Seth Grimes, the wrestling guy. It's not going to be, oh, I got to go check out the pro wrestling podcast podcast guy. I don't know. Maybe I am maybe I got it wrong, but that seems to be the case. But uh, that's where we're at, guys. Don't be mad at me. I hope I don't lose supporters here. I hope, I hope at least if this is the end of the road for our relationship, for you people that do listen strictly to the podcast and you're hearing this now, well, I, I, I appreciate you so goddamn much. I apologize. This isn't to, it's not a lazy thing. It's not a, I don't want to anymore. It's not a, I don't care about you guys. It's, it's a, my time is limited and I have to put it towards where the views are for my content, where the money is for my content. And look, I've done 100 episodes, so it's not like, uh, oh, you give it a try, you know, maybe it'll pick up after a while. No, 100 episodes, the full episode hasn't picked up. The podcast, wrestling podcast, media market, it's there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. On YouTube, it's a little bit different. My product's, I think, unique, and, uh, you know, I think there, there's a hit there. So please forgive me if you're mad, you know, like I... I, I do feel bad. Like, I dreaded doing this for you guys specifically. I thought of you guys specifically. I've interacted with some of you specifically. So I know for a fact there are exclusive podcast listeners that, you know, uh, prefer it that way. Because it's some people can't just hop on over to YouTube. Maybe they're listening at work or while they're driving. And uh, it just doesn't work that way. They don't have the internet connection. It's easier to just download the pod, have it on your phone for the week or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like... 
I get it, but hopefully you get it where I'm coming from too. And uh, when I do have the time and the money to come back and revisit it, I will. Because I still want to do a full. It's not a lack of not wanting to necessarily. It's the it's the time crunch, feeling obligated, mixed with nobody really cares anyway. So why am I doing all this effort for this? You know, and the time it takes me to whip together a full episode, uh, you know, just piecing them all together even and saving it and and the graphics and the transitions and then recording these front and back set like I could be popping up another couple shorts that could end up getting me the 8,000 views that the R-Truth one did. And those that's still small potatoes. Even when I say like 8,000, ooh, big deal. You know what I mean? Like tune into Fightful or something. There's, you know, 16, 17, 18, 20, 40, 100,000 views. Chris Van Vliet, million views. You know what I'm saying? So like... I got a long ways to go, but that's where the uh, action is. So that's where I'm going to continue and double down. I'm going to divert my full-length episode resources there. <clears throat> well, I've talked about it enough. kind of feel like I'm going in circles now. Please uh, reach out to me and let me know your thoughts. If you so choose, hopefully you understand I appreciate you guys so much, and hopefully you find me on the YouTube. Hopefully that is not a difficult transition for you. Much like uh, the stubborn-ass fans that have to move from network TV or cable TV over to Netflix to watch Raw, unfortunately, if you guys do want to continue to listen to me for now, uh, you'll probably have to catch me on YouTube. But like I said, I will try to make an effort. I just I can't promise anything to get clips up at least on the podcast feed. But uh, YouTube is where you know you can find me for sure. And then shorts. I do shorts. I spread them around on Instagram. Now I'm on Instagram. That's right. At Seth Grime Media still. Uh, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, X. I'm trying to post on there more. I'm trying to get out there. I'm trying to do more, guys. This is a lot. I'm not. I will never quit this. Never, ever, ever. You don't fail till you quit. As I go, I keep picking up steam. I keep reaching new milestones. Uh, you know, my goal this time last year and even just a few months ago was to reach 1,000 subscribers. Now we're almost halfway to 2,000 subscribers within like an extra month. It's insane. And I got money coming in already. Not. It's not. It's not nothing to shake a stick at. It's not life-changing money, but it's I didn't have it last year. So it's shows me that uh, keep going, bro. Keep going. Keep this train moving. You'll pick up more people along the way, more f- followers, more supporters, more friends, more people to engage with in the comments. Uh, but that's it, y'all. That's all I got for you. Episode 100, the last episode for now. And uh, maybe someday, somewhere along the way, we will pick up on episode 101. But until then, find me on YouTube. Check your podcast feed. Stay subscribed to it because I'll probably pop some shit into there. Because I don't want to lose touch of you guys. I don't want to lose you guys. I want. I love all of you that listen to this. I appreciate you all. Nah, I don't want to neglect you. This is just a business decision. It has to be done this way. So, peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, signing off 
from the full episodes for the last time for the foreseeable future future i am your boy seth grimes and this has been episode 100 of the pro wrestling podcast podcast nailed it right that was that was the best one ever possibly what a way to end what a way to go out huh what a way miss you guys